Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the magical black man capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. <laughs> and joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. I've become a professional imaginary basketball player. I've already won two imaginary trophies and have a beautiful imaginary wife. I was thinking of crossing over into imaginary baseball, but I really realize that's too far-fetched <laughs> i see what you did there, there far-fetched. <laughs> you have some w- lovely imaginary children <laughs> and joining us from the imaginary rusty pain beer- in the ass <laughs> <laughs> and joining us from the rusty beater pickup truck with a clown head on top that's falling apart of southern california the inland empire <laughs> is my other co-host john john what's happening I am showing a great amount of restraint against children who literally commit crimes against me. (laughs) This movie doesn't know how to lob. (laughs) It doesn't know how to do a lot of things. Uh, And all of that is, well, hang on. Before we get started, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. So all of that is because we watched the night. 1997 sports kids movie Air Bud. Ah, we've been talking about this forever. <laughs> yes, and John, how would you tell someone you watched Air Bud without using the title? Ain't no rule says I have to tell you my entertainment choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I looked in the rule book, and you are correct, mostly because there is no rule book. Eh, they're mostly guidelines anyway. And Jules of the Producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this movie. What would it be? Well, it was tricky. This this came out more like a PSA, but white dogs can't eat pudding. <laughs> okay! Yes! All dogs, for that matter. Seriously, they're lactose yes. intolerant. Don't do Don't that shit. Don't give dogs pudding. Don't give dogs people food in the first place. That's exactly. I mean, so many dog diarrhea scenes were edited out of this movie. <laughs> I... God damn, the things this dog eats oh my that God. it should not eat is... <laughs> oh my God. There's quite a bit of ground to cover before we get to the pudding in pizza. So there, There's a lot to go there. Oh my God, that pizza scene. Yeah, uh, before we get into it and start just breaking down the movie impromptu, guys, what's your what's your experience with Air Bud? When did you first see it? Initial impressions, et cetera? I'll keep it short and sweet. This is a movie that I've known of. I think everyone knows the no rule says a dog can't play basketball. I'm even aware of that. I never watched this until about a week or so ago to do it for this episode. Again, it was 97. I was old enough. I was a teenager. I wasn't watching this kind of stuff. I was watching Scream, you know? (laughs) So I saw it just last week and weirdly love it. I thought I was going to hate this thing. Oh my God. This is a gem. This is a cinematic gem. It is batshit insane. And I love it. It is insane, and the thing that it is known for only happens in, like, the last 10, 15 minutes. And it's not the most insane thing in this movie. No. There is more insanity that happens after a dog joining a basketball team. It gets dumber. (laughs) 
What's tragic is that I absolutely adored this film as a kid. I named my first dog Buddy. Okay. It was a big deal to me. But yeah, it just sort of all molded together into one of two movie franchises with the troubled kid and the abused animal dynamic that went on in this movie along with Free Willy. And they both went pretty deep down the franchise hole. And genuinely, as a kid, I liked it and then I just stopped watching it. And I haven't thought about it until I saw it on our list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Free Willy was a few years earlier and I mean I loved the shit out of that I was a bit younger and not long after home release yeah I stopped watching that as well even though I loved the shit out of it it drops off at some point exactly I definitely saw this in theaters yeah I saw it in theaters this was a trip to the movies with my South African grandmother she saw a lot of movies meant for just kids and god bless her for putting up with seeing some really not fun for adults movies just to spend time with their grandkids. Having worked in a movie theater when Elmo and Grouchland was out, I feel for so many parents and chaperones who have to go and see kids movies. When you hear Elmo's voice all fucking day and you're 16 years old, Jesus. Oh yeah. She <laughs> even took me to the Pokemon movie. Pika! Pika Pika! I don't think she understood what the fuck was going on, but she did it because she wanted to spend time with her grandkids. And I remember we saw this at a mall that we didn't normally go to, and I remember loving it as well. And I definitely saw at least the sequel, the Golden Receiver film as well. <laughs> oh, I've got notes about the sequels that I haven't even watched. <laughs> Along with World Pup. World Pup! And Seventh Inning Fetch, which is the fourth movie. And they kind of missed a trick there. And I think we just got to go ahead and say it. This dog is dead. We were watching a dead dog. <laughs> <laughs> Not to make anyone cry at home. <laughs> I will make them cry at home. The dog died about a year after this movie came out. Oh, shit. That I did not know. Yep of feeding it fucking vanilla pudding. <laughs> fucking pudding and ice cream and pizza, maybe. Jesus. It just exploded from the inside. <laughs> no, I mean, it was obviously already a full-grown dog, you know, so. And it was already apparently like a trick-performing dog. Like, that was Yeah, this was something I was going to get into um, a little bit with the credits. It talks about how the character of Airbud created by, you know, so-and-so. And this isn't like from a short story or a comic or something. It was this guy who had a dog and it would try and like bite the basketball and wind up hitting it. So he trained it to do these things for basketball and soccer and baseball and American football. And they would go and do like shows and parties and that sort of thing. And that's where Airbud actually came from. I found that out while trying to find out why there's a special thanks in the end credits to Marvel Comics. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> there is a special thanks to Marvel Comics at the end of Airbud, and I cannot figure out why. Airbud is in the MCU confirmed. That's my theory. <laughs> so, loyal listeners, I want you to find a copy of Endgame, and when the big portals open at the very end, find Airbud in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But here's the thing. So this is a Disney movie, and when you look at the premise of it, like one of the fundamental parts of the premise, it rips off a 70s Disney movie. 
Oh, really? Yes, there is a 70s Disney movie called Gus about a donkey that a fictional NFL team brings on as a place kicker. And literally, it's like, well, there's nothing in the rules that says donkeys can't play football. So It's not in the rules because it's common sense. Well, we'll get to the rules, you know, in like <laughs> two and a half more hours when we finally get there. So basically, they remade a movie with an animal that could already do trick shots. Essentially, yes. Okay. Although this movie, the Gus sounds like it's way more fun. Like the mafia's involved. Like the team has to win the NFL so the coach can pay back the mafia or he loses the team. Oh, that would be amazing to work into this movie. (laughs) The donkey is apparently from Slovenia and you have to speak to it in like Slovenian or Slovakian to like kick the ball. I'm adding this to my notes. I have to see this movie. Is this okay? So, Airbud, like you said, Disney movie, not on Disney Plus. Is why Gust? the fuck is it not on Disney Plus? I don't know, but the spinoff shit, like Super Buddies and the Santa Paws movies, and that shit is. <laughs> yeah, we had to all go rent this. It's not even like oh, there was an existing li- licensing deal and it was streaming on Amazon. Crazy that this is not on Disney Plus. Disney, get on that. Like, why the fuck do we have to like rent this in 2022? So yeah, it's. Bond a franchise doesn't really have anybody in it other than Michael Jeter. Um, yeah, brief note about the cast. I'll hit on a couple people when we get there. Just about everybody was on the X Files, often multiple times. Because it's one of those where it's like, oh, they were a doctor in a lab, and then you know, a season later they played someone else, that sort of thing. A few members of the cast, like um, the first coach, the guy who's Josh, the main kid, they have misleading credits in their filmography. Like, for example, the kid who's josh was in frozen okay you know that thriller from 2010 about some teenagers being stranded on a ski lift in a blizzard oh yeah i definitely remember that absolutely (laughs) yeah and um a few cast members were also involved in taken you know the steven spielberg miniseries about alien abductions oh you would be a terrible person (laughs) how how could anyone forget that sort of thing (laughs) i feel like you could torture a lot of people with that information (laughs) oh yeah I was trying to find shit and I was like, Frozen, get the fuck out. That's not the right year. (laughs) (laughs) I'll bring it up when we get to it, but one of the refs, Oh my god, I cannot wait to talk about this man. Okay, you clearly did way more research than at least I did, because I was just like... (laughs) That's because I watched this a week and a half in advance. (laughs) Yeah, I watched this and I was just like, cool, I don't care to dig any deeper into this, because this is such a generic made-for-kids... But it's fucking crazy, I just had to know more. Okay, well, uh, we need (laughs) to know more, apparently, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a break and when we get back we will start breaking down airbud hey guys i'm back from vacation thanks again for dog sitting trixie is so important to me and oh my god hey what's up jules welcome back man yeah dude trixie's been great yeah she's so happy to see you isn't she what have you been feeding my dog her belly is swollen <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I mean, yeah, you left us the dog food and the schedule and all that, but she'd get pretty bored eating the same thing every day. So what we did was we took a page out of Airbud and we fed her some of the stuff from there, you know, like SpaghettiOs, pizza. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dogs aren't supposed to eat any of that. But that's what I'm saying. We changed it up, man. So we got some hot dogs, some jalapeno poppers, awesome spicy curry from this Thai place that Nick told me about. Oh, we all had such a good time. Oh, also, we wanted to make sure that she ate dessert. So, uh, you know, got to have dessert, right? So we got her ice cream, brownies, vanilla pudding cups like in the movie. Chocolate is literally one of the worst things you can feed your dog. And they are lactose intolerant. We discussed this in the movie. Yeah, but I mean, movies aren't always realistic. You know, I mean, turned out it was true. Yeah, yeah, we did find that out the hard way. By the way, you might not want to look on the floor over there. Jesus, that's a giant pool of dog diarrhea. Why wouldn't you clean it up? Okay, hear me out. So we were going to, but then John and I got into a fight about whether the fairy fire spell in Dungeons and dragons would still show up as colors in dark vision. Oh my god, it absolutely would not. It creates a little barrier of light around a thing that would shine, but dark vision specifically does not have colors. Okay, but the spell says the lights are in color, so why would they not be in color in dark vision? Because dark vision doesn't have color. It's a contradiction of rules, and so you have to go with what's the more specific rule set. Jesus. Are you too serious right now? You idiots could have killed my dog. You know what? Just wait here. Stand here for a second. Oh, man. Are you you going back on vacation? Why are you leaving again? Man, don't be mad. He's mad, right? He's mad. Yeah, he's he's mad. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. And once again, we get the 90s Walt Disney logo. And what the fuck is this bird that we open on? (laughs) I bet the bird too, the yellow bird. Yes. Okay. This is a way, and it's a really poor way of doing it, of establishing setting. Instead of like putting up a little bit of text, this is the American goldfinch, and it is the state bird of Washington. You get hints later where they reference, you know, Seattle, but that's about all you get that it's in the northwestern United States. But this is the state bird for the state this is set in, even though it was filmed in Canada. Then why does it come back? What do you mean, why does it come back? It absolutely bird, comes back the later in the movie. The bird reoccurs in this movie. Okay, yeah. Okay, this was something that I that I loved, <laughs> that I definitely took notes on as well. The bird bookends this film. Like we open on some clouds in this bird, and we close on this bird. And it also there's just random inserts of this bird <laughs> this throughout bird. the movie. I don't know why they keep showing it. I have an explanation for why we open with it. I work with what I have, people. I work with what I have. <laughs> It opening makes sense. Okay, it's native to the Pacific Northwest, but it plays way too much of a part in this movie. It, it almost rises to the level of subplot, given how little <laughs> subplots there are in this fucking film. If it weren't for the fact that it's a yellow goldfinch, I would call it a red herring. Uh, hey! oh, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Honestly, you guys have corrupted me. I used to not make these kind of jokes. It's your fault. Way to not take responsibility for your own shitty puns. It keeps me from pulling in that abyss and gouging my eyes out or ears. (laughs) Okay. So now we see Michael Jeter driving his beater truck with a clown outfit. He's like wearing a clown outfit. He's got a clown head on top because he's a clown and a hound. He does kids parties. Yeah. So we started with a nature documentary and transitioned directly into nightmare fuel because this (laughs) clown head is not even trying to be a fun 
clown. No. It either has a straight mouth or even a downright frowning face on it. And what you see is it slowly rises because he's driving up a hill. So you see this just giant depressing as fuck creepy clown head rise over this roadway and then the rustiest truck to not have holes in it appears (laughs) i swear gacy was on his way to do a gig pennywise from it would have been like okay let's tone it down a bit yeah (laughs) yes So he's got this dog in the back in a dog carrier because he doesn't love this dog. And he tries to read a map while driving, which is super fucking dangerous. Yep. And this beater truck, it is smoking so much. It is, he is basically rolling coal. Yeah, it is the most rusted out, decrepit piece of shit, but does not have holes in it for some reason. So he arrives at a really nice house and he's not very happy about being there. No, because he's a birthday clown who hates children. (laughs) I don't know why, but the Fernfield town sign got me a little. I'm not sure if this is just an American thing, but the slogan is where everything is possible. And just taking a moment to think about that, that's existentially terrifying. I mean, if everything is possible, gravity stops, cows eat people, Disney (laughs) starts caring about animal welfare and their employees. (laughs) You know, it's all unsettling. Pretty unsettling. Oh, you want to talk about unsettling? On the side of his truck, the paint's pretty well faded, obviously. But um, his clown name is Happy Slappy. And you see this right as you notice it was produced by the Weinsteins. Oh, fuck. This is produced by the Weinsteins. That totally got past me. Yep. Good old Harvey Weinstein. As the words Happy Slappy are on the screen. Mm, as we know, it was very unhappy Slappy around <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. Oh, God. And the insanity of this movie has only just begun. So anyways, he gets out of his truck at this nice house, and he freaks out about tearing his outfit, even though it's super patchy on purpose. I feel like it would have just gone with the aesthetic. Yeah. And then my favorite moment of the movie happens. Him threatening the dog with the newspaper? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the door's open. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, this is actually an important part of the movie. Don't make me have to use this shaking the rolled up newspaper at the door. Okay, but that this doesn't make sense to me because as we'll learn later, he steals newspapers and buries them. Due to this, he has such a hatred of newspapers. He doesn't want people to have them. The implication is that this guy's been beating him with a newspaper this is the thing that makes the most sense out of the whole movie yeah obviously he gets hit with the newspaper and so much later when he's stealing him this is obviously a way to keep newspapers out of the hands of people okay that makes a lot of sense my brain just didn't care to figure that out So we get to my favorite part of the whole movie. Well, one of them where he knocks on the door and one of the kids at the party answers it. And he's like, hey, happy slappy clown and a hound. And the kid just kicks him and runs away. Fantastic. Accurate portrayal of children. Well done. Children are little sociopaths. And then it begins a really cringy sequence of him just sucking as a clown. Like he can't spin plates or make balloon animals. And the kids are like putting their shirts over their heads because there is a cringy on purpose. A clown doing really good work is amazing. A clown doing so so is boring. A clown failing as spectacularly as he is, I think is funny, but no one is impressed. No one is cracking a smile. I think the shirts 
shirts went up over faces because they had to hide laughing at him. <laughs> no one is into this. The mother is just like staring disapprovingly at him. She regrets the money that she had to pay. But my question is, how does he get like he cannot have a good reputation as a party clown? Like people must know he sucks. Yeah, I don't know. So anyways, he tags in Buddy, and it's like, hey man, you know the dog is the only thing that gets positive attention. Just just tag him in at the beginning. Like, don't try to do your thing. You can't start with the headliner, man. I feel like when you suck this hard as a clown, you go with the headliner. Yeah, but even this routine is dickish. Anyone want to jump in on here? Or all oh, you it? mean how he just chucks balls really hard directly at this dog's mouth? Yes! He's not tossing him up in the air or like behind his back or doing anything like a trick. He is pitching a baseball game at this dog's face yep. and the kids are really excited about it oh they're into it they i think they just love that there's a dog there <laughs> and so for the finale michael jeter chucks a large ball at the dog's mouth but then he punts it so hard with his nose it knocks michael jeter back and here's where things get weird and by weird you mean fucking stupid yeah yeah okay cool we're on the same page because the mother, instead of helping the guy who clearly fell over and hurt himself, <laughs> starts screaming. And this isn't like a genuine, real scream. She does a little ta-da motion as she does it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. I was like, yeah, she's screaming because, like, Michael Jeter's crashing, you know, her furniture and breaking shit. The dog's running around. He, he didn't even break shit, though. There was, like, nothing that he broke in this fall happened is that he hurt himself and this is not a scream moment you do not scream in a circumstance like this <laughs> or in the circumstance that follows because then the dog starts running around for reasons and the kids get freaked out and they like all run to the other side of the room where Michael Jeter got knocked over so the dog can just like run around yeah why are the kids screaming I don't know a dog's running around this is not a velociraptor I don't know I didn't really care what really troubled me is how the fuck is this banana peel slip supposed to be? Oh, for fuck's sake, this banana peel. First of all, with the banana peel, that was cliched in 1945. Yeah, it's cliched, and one, they're really not all that slippery, but it's sort of a thing, and you'll go with it, but this one is sitting on a couch, and you see the a, a nice close-up that he steps on it and steps off of it, but you still get that, like, whoop! sound effect yeah i don't know why directors sometimes think that they're doing a animated movie even though it's live action because kids movie i think that's what yeah and that's the only justification i have for the later slapstick sequence that yeah so he runs up a couch that happens to have a fucking banana peel on it slips falls forward face first into the birthday cake we should mention right now if you don't have your cliche bingo cards out man Get ready to go through a set. <laughs> and so apparently now the mom is strong enough to physically throw Michael Jeter out of her house. <laughs> because he gets like tossed out onto the front porch. And he's just like, hey, so can I get some references? Like he has the balls to ask for a reference. Gotta respect the hustle. I have to say, I do like his upcoming line though. He starts shouting, I hate kids. I hate birthday parties. And I hate being a clown. <laughs> My note for this is how did Nick's resume end up in the dialogue of this movie. <laughs> I didn't know you were a clown, Nick. Oh, I worked on a trolley at a fucking 
fancy mall out here. That is like one step below being a clown. I knew that children came up and paid you in fruit or tipped you in fruit and avocados. It gave me avocados. It was weird. It was a weird time in my life. And then we hit another stamp on the bingo card already because what's going to happen to the dog? It's going to the pound. Yes, he's going to take him to the pound. What is one means of like generating income because he clearly has no other skills. He's going to get rid of this dog. So he's angrily driving down the road in his beater. Despite having this piece of shit car, can somehow afford a car phone? (laughs) (laughs) The kind of car phone that came like with a box that plugged into the cigarette lighter. (laughs) Yes. So he is calling the pound on his car phone plugged into a cigarette lighter. To which I say he keeps the yellow pages in his truck because he had to look up the number for the pound, which would have the address and he asks them where they're located and he's like well I've got a map why is this phone call happening because he needs to be distracted so he doesn't notice the dog carrier falling off the back of the truck with the tailgate that he was too angry to close yes like slides out of the back of the pickup truck and physics is ignored for that entire slide oh physics and continuity can go fuck itself in this (laughs) sequence Uh, first of all this carrier stops right in front of these cows and these cows do not give a fuck about what they just saw. They just, I really like this moment and hate it at the same time. <laughs> Because you have the cows not giving a fuck and they're mooing and that transitions into the big horn blast of a big rig semi truck. That was a cool transition. Here's the thing. If you're driving a big truck and you see something, you know, a piece of plastic in the road, you don't blow your fucking horn at it. You just go around or run over it. (laughs) Yep. This is clearly a dog carrier. And so here's the thing. The first time we see like a vehicle approaching this, the opening of the dog carrier is facing into the road. So we, through the grate, can see the truck. Then, magically, (laughs) it turns 90 degrees to the left. So when the car with the family comes up and they like slam the brakes to like not run it over and knock it over, it is now like on its side. Like it's sideways facing. It's perpendicular to the fucking road as opposed to like parallel with it. Yeah, and I have that the dog suffers massive brain damage and Michael Jeter actually gets a good amount of sum from this family that killed his dog. Yeah, movie over. Weird, much darker than I expected for a Disney (laughs) film. Yeah. But despite hitting something in the middle of the road, something that is obviously a fucking dog carrier, mom doesn't give a fuck and does not get out to check it out. Yeah, I imagine that she backed the truck up a little bit to go around it. Yeah, apparently the dog is invisible for a brief time in this part of the movie, and it's clearly there. (laughs) Well, Josh, the kid who clearly sees the dog, doesn't say he's supposed to be like pissed off about his dad being dead. Spoiler alert for two scenes from now. But he's apparently still so upset, he doesn't turn to his mom and be like, hey, there's a dog in a clown outfit. He doesn't talk much this past year. So they leave the dog and they continue driving to what is clearly their new home. Mm -hmm. And we get a visit from our friend, Terrible ADR. We get... Uh, (laughs) It's like a warm blanket. Voiceover (laughs) acting like dialogue. You never, never cease to make me smile. (laughs) 
Yeah, we get expositional ADRs. They pull up to their new home, and the mom is explaining, you know, that she's working for a napkin company or something. And guess what? Her mouth as she's driving this car is not moving. No, it's not. <laughs> it is not moving. <laughs> And so they enter the house and mom asks Josh what he thinks, but he's a sad boy. So he walks away without saying a word. He just kind of looks around just the entry to this house. Like it's fucking shanty, man. It's a beautiful fucking house. It's a beautiful house. It's got two floors. There's definitely way more rooms than they need. I mean, it's a single mom and her two children. One of them is not even a toddler yet. Yeah, they do not need to do any renovations. So the fact that they have like paint cans later is just... oh oh i have issues with the paint can scene okay we'll get there i guess so he my question here is how does josh know which room is his because he just sad boys away I and mean, it's like he picks a room <laughs> okay this is this is part of why i didn't understand why he was so like just uh, about it when we moved up to indiana like we just had a little home because we had to move our household and so we had a small like duplex that we crammed into but when we went sorry when my parents went house shopping they looked at a few and when they narrowed it down we went along i mean our opinion didn't really matter but they probably at least wanted to get our reaction right so he's walking in like he's never seen this place before and fucking hates it but yet has already picked out his room yeah he's picked out his room and he goes inside with his box of sadness okay there's something amazing coming and i I just want to do a quick divergence into the cast okay please so it occurred to me a little bit later did anyone else have mom and as young discount Susan Sarandon. Oh, I can see that. Yes, I can absolutely <laughs> see that. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Just she looks so familiar. I looked her up and she is from, the only thing I know her from is Sister Act. Her name's Wendy McKenna, but she was the shy redhead nun that actually had the amazing singing voice. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, how I, far I did feel fallen. like I recognized her. And the guy who's Josh, Kevin Zegers, Zegers, I'm not sure how to say it. He's been in this series, at least up through the fourth movie, as Josh. This film series actually has continuity to it, but has worked regularly ever Ever since. I'd say his most notable role is acting opposite of Felicity Huffman in Transamerica. He played the son in Transamerica. Uh, this is the same kid. Yeah. He's not a bad actor. He's not. No, he's not. not. And as a kid here, he looked really familiar. But in that, like, I think I knew someone who looked like him sort of way. And I have no idea why. <laughs> but no, he's he's actually pretty good. I would rank him, I mean, obviously below Christina Ricci, but he's got to be one of the top child actors we've covered. So. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. But we've covered a lot of Tud, so. <laughs> yeah, but that's by and large most child actors. So. Yeah, but Omri from Indian in the Cupboard took it down to it. So. <laughs> Special case. He's definitely above the Homeward Bound kids. I'd put him above the kids from Santa Claus. They didn't do a bad job. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we're back in his room and he's going through his box of sadness. <laughs> and why in the fuck does he have the article about his dad's death in a frame? <laughs> Other than ham-fisted exposition, what the fuck is this? I watched this over a week and a half ago and I warned you guys who freeze framed and read this fucking article. I did not. Oh, I 100% did and I want this article on my wall. I want what's written in it is gold. I have a screenshot of it saved. <laughs> 
So the article has the headline, Test Pilot Dies, and then there's a photo. But the article that's written isn't like blurby <laughs> text or anything like that. It's incredibly Ooh. specific. The moment where I realized something weird was going on here was when I got to the line, Captain Fram, who's the test pilot, the guy's father, is best known for being the only man to break the sound barrier with a banana and a long sports sock. And for reference, dear listener, that is the second sentence of this article. Uh, At which point it goes on to describe his grandfather. Well, Josh's grandfather. Josh's Josh's grandfather, grandfather, who uh, was also a pilot, by the way. Mm -hmm. And he flew ham and Bibles to Muslim prisoners in Berlin during World War II. Get the fuck out of here that does not say that. I don't know why this guy's obituary has shit about his father in it, but you then learn that his dad (laughs) went on to start the first ever daredevil acrobatic team doing propeller walking and a stunt called... (laughs) ignite the fram their last name is fram so he was doing airplane stunts apparently while on fire and wing squash whatever that is also appeared in um in the television show arnie the ape boy where he he first started calling himself captain dick this is andrew this is the dad we're talking this is the dad yeah and he joined the special test or die air corps it's just one of those obscure ones that you never hear about he soon became the first cross-dressing squadron leader in the world yes there is another note about his father dying in 1963 and that that was like tragically overshadowed by the assassination of jfk (laughs) it's just (laughs) i'm telling you this movie is batshit insane and now that you know that you see the protagonist (laughs) in a whole different light This boy has a relationship with his father that is unlike any other. They clearly didn't pay enough to whichever prop guy was writing this. It's filled (laughs) on top of the content. It's filled with typos. Somehow, the actor, the cameraman, the director, the editor, and all the producers all couldn't read. (laughs) I think they just didn't really care to. Normally, news articles are just random shit or just random typing. Like, it's not even words. This came to light because some people did basically what we're doing in college, old movie they love, freeze framed it and read this and posted something about it. And then there was this weird article, mainly about the Hammond Bibles, about this Islamophobia in a Disney movie from 20 fucking years prior. And so it kind of got around and they were trying to figure out where it came from. And the prop guys are like, yeah, prop guys don't write this stuff. We're the ones, you know, we make sure it has a frame. We make sure the right article is in the scene where it needs to be. We didn't write this. The byline of the article is an assistant director on the movie. He got contacted on this and he was like, I might have written it. It could have been one of the writers. It could have been one of our, you know, copy editors, whatever. Part of the thing is, you know, sometimes movies will have like a street sign or a store name named after members of the crew. So he's like, dude, I don't know. Like no one can remember who actually is responsible for this. But they all think it's amazing. It's so good. So now that you know this about the kid, this you know, <laughs> this whole movie can be watched a different way. A completely different way. Wow. Hammond Bibles some Muslim prisoners in Berlin during World War II. What the fuck? Crazy. I did not give this movie enough credit. I wish I had read that. Holy fuck. <laughs> We are barely 15 minutes into this movie. 
I stopped saying the fuck is happening at around the 10 minute mark. Well, no, I didn't stop saying it. I stopped counting the number of times I was saying the fuck is happening because I, I was averaging two or three times per minute up until the time they like oh ran God. into Buddy's pet carrier. This movie's insane. I love it. So besides <laughs> learning that his dad's a cross dresser. Dude, nothing wrong with that. And obviously out and proud. Man was a pride. Nothing man. wrong with that. Damn right. It's the late 90s. So that's that's definitely not as accepted as it is now. But we also see Josh on his dad's shoulders. I fucking hate like, this playing photograph. shoulder basketball with him. It's so weird. Like, why is he on your shoulder? And like, he's dunking this red, white, and blue basketball into a Josh is a on net. his dad's shoulders, you know, doing the dunk the basketball thing. Okay, that's fun. But the dad is staring up at the net like they're playing. And Josh is staring at the camera like he's posing. So what the fuck is happening in this photograph? Yeah, they were not coordinated. They yeah, were not coordinated not, oh, with what they were we're doing having fun. Photo. Let's take a picture, look and smile, click. That's Josh. No, I, I hate this photo. And you keep seeing it throughout the movie. Well, anyways, we now see Buddy the dog sleeping outside next to an abandoned building. And he is scared by the Golden Retriever's natural <laughs> enemy, the owl. <laughs> <laughs> like some menacing hooting coming from the night. <laughs> it's a weird scene. Like if you heard like growling of wolves, like I'd get it, but I'm supposed to like feel scared for him because I heard a fucking owl hoot. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, here. You, you have to have a heart. Any, anything about an abandoned golden retriever has to tug at you just a little bit. A little bit, but I'm not scared for him because of the owls that are out there. <laughs> And yeah, so- we feel bad that he's abandoned in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> And it's clearly we're approaching winter because school has been in session for three months already, as we'll learn in a very brief moment. So it's got to be fucking cold. You know, it's wet. Yeah, I feel bad for the dog like that. But because you hear. Sorry, no, no, movie. Not no, well, I, I, guess, I guess you kind of fear for the yellow bird, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that. Nah, I'm already over the yellow bird, and it hasn't made its second appearance yet. Well, anyway, speaking of mom and three months into the school year, uh, she's expositing to the principal about the move. Move there after the dad died. Apparently, she thought that moving her family away from friends and family who would be supportive through this trying time was the right move. <laughs> Because support systems are for pussies, apparently. Well, she 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 uh, grew up in this town, and there's moments where she's on the phone with her mom. So I believe that she did move back for a bit of a support system. Yeah. Well, no, no. Her grandparents used to live there, and they would go visit. I don't think she grew up in this town. She's like her grandparents were there, and that's why she knew about the town. She was familiar with it. I'm going to go with mine because I obviously took more detailed notes about literally everything else in this movie. So, okay. Well, I, I mean, there's a sign of contention. We'll, we'll, we'll settle this in the arena later. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah for, for the listener, we have a post session arena where we resolve disputes. It's, uh, Shh, it gets bloody. No, no. Happens in the arena, stays in the arena. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so apparently it's three months into the school year. Like, why would you move now? That makes no goddamn sense. 
Josh, you know, takes a look outside the door because he's outside in the hallway looking down the hallway. And we get our first view of this movie's magical black man. Yes. Well, now to, to fit the, the cliche, he is kindly old black man. He's not magical. He is kindly old black man. No, 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 no. He is. This character is in Wikipedia's official list. Oh, of, no shit. Yes. So for, for context, listener at home, uh, I think Spike Lee coined this term it is the magical negro yes we're just going to refer to him as the magical black man but basically the conceptually and storytelling in a lot of movies it's there will be a black character whose entire purpose is to help the white protagonist they have no inner like real rich inner life like they literally serve to help the white protagonist in their mission and there's not nothing necessarily wrong with like helping a white person but it's like if that's all your character is doing that's a really problematic given the history of this country yeah i've i've always seen it like just the way this cliche comes across as magical black lady and kindly old black man because literally when it's a woman they often are magical a, a very direct uh, representation of this go watch the original jeepers creepers these kids are in a horror movie and suddenly they get a phone call from a stranger they don't know who is keenly aware of their entire predicament and their backstories magical okay, black that's lady. a little more magical but yeah like he... <laughs> like literally magical i i think he does have a backstory and he does go through a bit of a character change. I, I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I buy into that. But he's his primary like drive Purpose within movie. the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. His primary drive within this movie is to like guide Jake and like all these like white kids and like take them to victory. Like he he's his most of his characters in service of the white. Later kids. on, Jake actually suggests him. It's it, uh, it's not like I, I'm not entirely sure I buy it, but well, it's on Wikipedia, Jules. It's official. Wikipedia does not. It's not the be It's Wikipedia official. <laughs> it's definitely not the most overuse of this, but I think it still falls into it. And here's the thing: it's um Bill Cobbs, not Cosby. Bill Cobbs, kindly old black man, magical black man, whatever. That's been a lot of his career. Like when you see this guy, you know, you know what his role in this is. And he has always been this. He didn't get into acting until he was. 40. He did the drop everything, moved to LA to be an actor when he was in his mid 30s. Didn't really start getting roles and build his career for four years. He was in his 40s once his career finally started. Similar situation with Samuel Jackson and uh, I think Morgan Freeman. He oh, didn't really? really pick. Yeah, Morgan Freeman didn't really. I mean, I know Morgan Freeman was in in Living Color, I think, and then his career in Living Color. It was some sketch show. Anyways, we are way the fuck off track. But yeah, anyway, uh, Bill Cobbs. I mean, you you just know him from stuff as that again that kindly old black man he was in that thing you do as the jazz musician drummer uh he's in demolition man as sylvester stallone's like old friend when he gets unfrozen he's the old man who's still around he's oh, he's been everywhere oh damn okay well we definitely have to put demolition man on the list so now the, you know the principal and the mother are talking about extracurriculars and she's talking about how he used to like basketball and while they're talking about it he sees the sign-up sheet for the basketball team and he just kind of naturally gravitates towards it but then the bell goes off and he gets like rushed by all the people so he doesn't sign up for basketball tryouts because he couldn't just wait for the crowd to leave and then write his name down I don't know why, but I got distracted by the girls' volleyball poster because it says everyone welcome, when clearly half the gender is very much not welcome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> boys are not allowed at the girls' volleyball. Yeah, okay, that is odd. <laughs> 
we get some shit that doesn't really matter because they mention how he likes basketball and then mom's like well i always like playing music i like to playing the flute so they're like fuck it let's throw him in band even though we know he likes sports what? yeah throw throw him in band and like th- th- usually because i was you know in a band in elementary school you have individual lessons to learn your instrument and then you join the band but no they put him right in the band and he doesn't know how to trombone we didn't really have individual lessons really yeah, no, you could practice on your own. Like, we got to pick it up and kind of mess with some instruments, see which one we liked the best. But then, like, we all had, like, the level one book, and you would practice on your own, but then we would come to class and play together. And sometimes there'd be focus on different sections, but not individual lessons. Honestly, I just like the line the music teacher has. Don't blow so hard. Okay, now blow a little harder. I mean, <laughs> what I say in my bedroom with my girlfriend is private and no one's business. But... <laughs> hey! Um, obligatory Jules love life <laughs> <laughs> it had to come <laughs> that's what she said waka waka and here's the thing trombones are fucking expensive like I was pricing trombones when I saw this. the lower end they're at least a couple hundred bucks and they get up into the thousands oh most instruments do yeah crazy expensive these yeah. instruments so he walks mopily past some kids playing basketball. I was like, oh, I wish I could play basketball. You could. You're just not. He kicks a pine cone and my note is just, fuck you, pine cone. <laughs> fuck He's you. He's so poor he can't even play kick the can. <laughs> <laughs> By himself. <laughs> so he walks past an abandoned church, which we, you know, we'll figure out is where Buddy was hanging out when the owls attacked. <laughs> when the, owls, when the at- owls attacked with their hooting. Uh, yeah. I, I do like this shot, though. It's just really pretty. There's a, like a bit of mist or fog. You got the sunlight streaming in. It's really nice. And then I especially love the sign on the church because this is an abandoned property and some of the letters have fallen off. And it says, Eek. And you shall fin. Ick, and you shall fin. <laughs> yes, and it, it is from the, the Scottish version of Of seek and you shall find. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah, he, there's there's a basketball court behind the abandoned church, which I think is like pretty common with some churches. like Which he broke through a fence to get to just for reasons. He saw this abandoned property and decided to, you know, check it out. So now we already have trespassing and vandalism on his rap sheet. <laughs> He gets over the side with his trombone. How does he get back? Clearly, he climbed back over. Yeah, but he used his trombone to lift himself up so he could be high enough to climb over. He found another trombone <laughs> on the other side. Okay, you see, because other side of the fence has these planks that run horizontal, and that's what the slats get nailed to. So he had things he could step on to climb up. What? Like a really spaced out ladder with only two rungs. Of course, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Off camera. <laughs> well, yeah. This isn't a movie about climbing fences. <laughs> I mean, if we want to get granular on that, let's not. So anyways, he pulls out his red, white, and blue basketball, and he clears like a very specific like one foot squared patch in front of the <laughs> net. He brushes enough leaves away to dribble the ball on the ground. But he sucks. He just doesn't have it in him. My note at this point is watching Josh play basketball, uh, he could totally kick my ass in a game of one-on-one. <laughs> and he is barely like even hitting the backboard at this point, folks. 
Yeah, he he is not good at the old hoopsie doops. So he hits it really hard, the backboard, and it goes back into the bushes. And apparently golden retrievers sound like wolves when they hide in bushes. Yes, there's a growling. I didn't know about that. There's a spooky growl. Really spooky growling. And um, Josh just doesn't flinch because clearly he's praying for the sweet release of death so he can stop being sad about his dad. <laughs> Is my explanation for his reaction to a growling bushes? But no, he doesn't get attacked. Instead, I have jinkies. I found a clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ball gets chucked back from the bushes and he finds a scrap of Buddy's clown outfit, which will be for the entirety of this movie immaculate it will not be dirty or grimy or anything it'll be a perfectly clean piece of dog clown outfit isn't it a little dirty here no okay because i could i could explain what you just said but all right if all right i mean honestly all the dressing up the dog thing just is pure animal cruelty from my perspective so welcome to la where we do that all the fucking time i find it dumb i don't really consider it cruelty but i do think it's stupid again people do way too much of that in la and it is oh everywhere i've seen that shit everywhere anyways back at home mom's unpacking while talking to her mom on the phone and has to explain to her mom that having two jobs isn't moonlighting it's just having two jobs except that is the definition of moonlighting is supporting yourself through a secondary job (laughs) i thought this was a call where venezuela got the napkins yeah she also has to like take a different call because she (laughs) fucked up a napkin order so she got fired and venezuela's got the napkins (laughs) that sounds like a bad code word for a military operation i repeat venezuela has the napkins (laughs) my god And now my note here is, in all caps, SHOES ON THE BED, YOU FUCKING SAVAGE! (laughs) I remember that reference. Again, I was not allowed to do shit. Like, like, you've been walking through gross, wet ground and leaves, and you want to put those gross-ass Timberland boots on your bed? You fucking little gross. I have basically the same note, but a bit later. I'm sure it, it hit you much harder. And so mom comes in to give him a pep talk, even though he's being moody, tells him dad would want them to, you know, him to give their best every day and, you know, love you. Again, pulls out the dog cloth from earlier and it is immaculate. We get a close up of it. This is an unsullied piece of cloth. I cannot fathom why he kept this piece of cloth. Yeah, I mean, uh, me either. He heard an animal growling. The ball got knocked back out, and then he found a scrap of fabric. I mean, my only thought is maybe it reminded him of one of the dresses his dad wore. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe the tube sock was polka dotted. I don't know. Look, yeah, maybe his dad had an I Love Lucy kind of vibe when he cross-dressed. Who knows? Who knows? Unfortunately, we are not privy to that information. (laughs) (laughs) This story would just be even more amazing. We need Josh's dad cross-dressing fan fiction. Audience, do it. Anyways, now it's time for basketball tryouts, and we meet, like, the bully kid of this movie, and he sees Josh coming with his red, white, and blue basketball, and he's like, huh, looks like he stole that ball from the Harlem Globetrotters. Which was my note when Josh pulled it out of his box, but then the movie called it out anyway, so I was like, all right, cool, thanks. 
<laughs> is that supposed to be uh, actually some way of insulting him? I, I didn't understand that. Given that we will meet this kid's dad at some point, <laughs> and given how in my head canon, this kid's dad is an absolute racist. I have a 100% pristine note about the dad, so let's leave it until we get there. Okay, well, I want to talk about this kid real quick. The character's name is Larry, and this is another actor who's just been around and his he's been working this entire time and he's been fucking everywhere he was in a, a more minor role but the revenant this is not one of those misleading credits the revenant with leonardo dicaprio Dang. he played fryman and he's going to be in the upcoming series based on the last of us as robert oh, if anyone who's played the game the the arms dealer that kind of screws you over in the oh, opening chapter oh, good for yeah. him you know i like hearing people being successful in walks the coach, who I have down as badly aged George W. Bush. <laughs> like, if George W. Bush kept drinking, like, this is what he would have looked like. I could see that. Yeah. Um, and so gives him a pep talk for tryouts. Like, you know, if you can win on the courts, you can win at life. And that is just objectively not true. It turns out that this coach is an absolute shitbag. So the speech is basically everything that's wrong with American philosophy, basically. <laughs> it is the winning yeah, is you can dodge everything. a wrench, you can dodge a speech. ball. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of got it though. Like, you know, he's a coach, he's not a very good one, but you know, he wants to inspire him. I'm like, okay, that's kind of a cool message, but this is at tryouts. So what does that say to the kids who don't make it on the team? You fucking loser. And you're going <laughs> to fuck this winning <laughs> speech. Fail at life. <laughs> oh, to speech. Okay, fine. I like, I was like, it, nah, it just felt like it was awkward. It could have been said better later on. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Because, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll get there. Basically declares that you know when you actually get into the real world and you'll be losing constantly then you're just gonna fall into an epic deep depression and end up starting a podcast with two of your best friends <laughs> i think we all feel personally attacked by what you just said <laughs> no 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 i'm uh i'm i'm happy i i, I rank in the field of best <laughs> so cool bonus point Awesome. No, I just think it's a, it's a badly worded way of like, you know, work hard and you can achieve what you want. Like you said, kind of American dream sort of deal. But uh, so anyway, Josh shows up to tryouts to just sit on the bleachers. Right. He has so much too much of a sad to actually go out and play basketball. They didn't like my Globetrotters ball. <laughs> <laughs> I posed for this with my dad who thought we were actually playing. Like, the coach doesn't at any point say, hey, kid, get the fuck off the bleachers and, like, play. My note here also is somehow all these kids know what drills to run the minute he blows his whistle to start tryouts. There's another weird-ass thing here. Normally, when we have stuff and we're talking about, it's supposed to be high school, but it's people in their mid-20s, obviously. Josh is, like, 12, 13. The actor was actually 13 when this came out. The kid who's Larry was 16 when this came out. Jesus. And that was like okay you know he could still play like a middle schooler you know sixth seventh maybe eighth grade that sort of thing as we'll learn from a later newspaper this is a high school team get the fuck out of here and larry is the returning lead scorer so at 14 or 15 years old this kid was the best at high school as like a freshman or 
for some reason. I legitimately thought this was a middle school, honestly. No, exactly. If it weren't for the newspaper, everything would be fine. They actually got kids at the appropriate age to play the, you know, the age they're supposed to be playing. And instead, no, this is a high school team. The press is always absolutely correct at all times. Whoever wrote these newspapers was trolling the movie so Oh, hard. wait till we get, to, we the get next to the next one, one man. Yeah. The next one is Disney's legitimate first seat at the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> I'm not. Okay, well, we, we will get there. So yeah, uh, practice or tryouts is now over. The kids are gone except for Josh, who's moping in the bleachers. The coach and I guess the assistant coach who never we, we never meet are uh, putting all the balls away. Magical Black Man is fixing the scoreboard. Oh, yes, because of course he's, you know, the janitor his office door says engineer but yeah he was fixing some shit when josh saw him you know at the tryout poster he's fixing the scoreboard yeah he's the he's the handyman he's like the yeah yeah and then the coach just makes josh the team's bitch boy i'm sorry the manager without his consent this was something i kind of liked sure you can talk about it's not his place to tell this kid that you are the manager but you had a kid who showed up for practice who was too shy to be out there the coach has to know he's the new kid at school so it's like you know what i'm still gonna bring him on the team somehow that'll get him interacting maybe he'll make some friends you know clearly he's having trouble on his own that's how i took it the first time i watched this movie fuck this coach yes fuck this coach this scene reads a lot differently a little bit you know once we learn more about this guy well anyways back at the abandoned church joss plays some more leafy basketball and still not good but he sees paw prints and he whistles at the bushes and so buddy the dog pokes his head out and josh tries to entice him out with a vanilla pudding yep he goes to his backpack and pulls out a pudding which clearly he did not eat for his lunch when he was at school earlier accurate well a kid in the world (laughs) would not eat that pudding agreed seriously pudding cup was like the gold standard for i'll trade you my blank for blank it's like no no you gotta give me all the chicken nuggets if you want this one pudding cup man no 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 but seriously do not feed dogs pudding ever don't give them this enough don't give them any fucking pudding food (laughs) (laughs) technically a correct statement this is true yeah tapioca banana bread pudding it doesn't matter people food do not feed your dogs from the table do not let them lick the fucking plate just no bad human no (laughs) bad human very very bad (laughs) and so because josh is a psycho (laughs) yeah he, he he opens the pudding cup sets it down and then just goes back to shooting. Yes, him. exactly. Like a fucking crazy person. Like he doesn't wait to see if the pudding <laughs> cup entices this dog out or whatever. He's like, all right, well, I did what I could do. Back to basketball. Which is kind of a good move. I don't think the shy runaway stray dog would probably approach if there was attention being paid to him. So it's kind of a good move. But then Josh is way too surprised by the slurping noises of the dog eating. The yeah, pudding. you should have seen that coming. So the dog dog eats the pudding cup and josh tries to pet him but then the dog runs back into the bushes so the dog's not ready to be his buddy yet so back at home uh mom continues to business busily over the phone and it's almost like she works from home yeah she doesn't seem to have an office that she goes to or anything which kind of reinforces the point that they really didn't need to move away (laughs) 
to this town where they know nobody. It's like you could have just, you know, fucked up your napkin orders to Venezuela back in Arizona or wherever the fuck you were originally from. And so you have Josh sadly making dog shapes with his dinner. And this moment of sadly making dog shapes with your dinner is brought to you by SpaghettiOs. Yes, indeed it is. And mom has a line of, Josh, will you eat something? There is at max two bites left of these SpaghettiOs. Yeah, he has eaten plenty of SpaghettiOs. Oh, is almost empty and he's just kind of shoving the last pieces around seriously it does not fit it it, nope. it throws me back to close encounters i mean it's it's supposed to show like an unhealthy <laughs> obsession with something i know you hate harry potter but i had the <gasps> you have the grim <laughs> <laughs> listeners will understand the only thing <laughs> you could divine from a bowl of spaghettios is diarrhea is that they spell You're... out Ooh. <laughs> Anyways, back at the abandoned church, Josh is cleaning the place up and uh, he kicks down the fence so he can see the lake better because his emotional walls are starting to come down. Oh, and by the way, I just love this fucking shot. I would live there. I would keep the outside of the church looking like shit so no one bothered me, but I'd fix it up inside. And to have that view of the mm. lake and the mountains, it's Fucking gorgeous. As we go through this montage, I mean, my notes is is that, you know, you could substitute the music and make it the predator montage to draw out the dog. Um, <laughs> all it needs is Carl Weathers next to him saying, what are you going to use next, cheese? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, he makes a trail of pudding cups for the dog like it's fucking E.T. Oh, God, I know, again, with the fucking pudding cups. And the dog comes out to eat the pudding cups, but is quickly mesmerized by the basketball. Yeah, and my note here is, so the dog hates the clown and newspapers, but absolutely loves the shit that the clown forced him to do. Under threat of newspaper. Exactly. Because super into this ball. Like crazy amounts of Stockholm Syndrome for basketball. So this cues up a basketball montage, and what do you know, Josh can actually score baskets now. The power of doggy love is giving him his game back. Well, he's been going there and practicing for the better part of half a week. What I noticed was a really weird <laughs> twist. You know, at one point, you know, Buddy, who really obsessed with getting the ball, um, bites him, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Josh gets rabies and has to go to the hospital. It was a really strange direction. Didn't see it coming. That would be really strange because Buddy has absolutely no signs of being rabid, and he's, again, been on his own for, what, a week? He got it from the owls. He got rabies from the owls. <laughs> he got rabies from the owls. Now his fear is understandable. <laughs> he could smell it on him. Owl <laughs> rabies, it's a thing. Owl <laughs> rabies. The most virulent rabies there is. After this montage, the dog now lets Josh pet him and he takes off the raggedy costume. So now Josh comes home and Carrie... But prior to that, he opens the door and walks in on the carpet with his super muddy shoes to take them off. Yeah, we couldn't have shown him outside oh, yeah, taking the muddy shoes off. And fuck? I was like, what the fuck, kid dragging the mud in? But then he has the good sense to carry the dog, I guess, so it didn't leave paw prints? I think that's the idea, yeah. Wait, first he feeds it some SpaghettiOs, just so you know he knows absolutely nothing about dog ownership. Yeah, well, that, and that was to lure it up to the 
to the bathroom, yeah. And my note here is this moment of feeding your dog something it shouldn't is brought to you by SpaghettiOs. SpaghettiOs. <laughs> your dog's going to take a liquid shit. Oh, we got to get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I loved it when I was a kid and then, you know, stopped having it for a long time and I would babysit for niece and nephew. They're little kids. Hey, SpaghettiOs. I'm like, sweet, easy, heat it up. They love it. They never really finished it. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll finish it. You can taste the can. God, they are terrible. They are so bad. I had SpaghettiOs once. I had it as a kid and hated them as a kid. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. We spent a summer in Florida. A hurricane was coming by where we were staying. So we stocked up on like, you know, some canned goods just in case stuff went south. Got a bunch of SpaghettiOs because like we never had anything like that at home. My mother just like always cooked dinner. And so afterwards the storm, you know, it got really rainy. A lot of fish got chucked up onto the beach, but we were fine. But we had all these cans of, you know, Chef Boyardee SpaghettiOs. And my mom was like, well, we got them. Might as well let you try them i took two bites of spaghetti i'm like this is disgusting can i please have something else my mom's like sure good for her so yeah spaghettios are disgusting this show is brought to you by spaghettios <laughs> spaghettios you suck sponsor us <laughs> you sucks we had another thing that was like fuck you give us money i don't remember yes it is <laughs> that, that is an, our entire attitude to sponsorship fuck you give us money Look, yeah fuck you and give us money <laughs> So yeah, so he's got a bubble bath ready for this dog, and yeah. he's wearing the yellow raincoat with the yellow hat that like a longshoreman would wear. It's the sort of thing that you always see in movies and TV shows. I've never seen anyone actually wear one. I've seen the yellow coat before, but never with this like Gordon's fisherman hat. Right. Never did any 90s kid wear this outfit. It's the same thing that Georgie wore in the uh, It TV series. I don't think he wore one in the new movies, but the kid the who gets movies. murdered at the very beginning of it yeah exact same get up and okay i'm like all right it's kind of dumb but kids movie i'll let it go because he's wanting to give this dog a bath but once he gets buddy into the tub he just fucking jumps in with him yeah what the fuck is that so what's with the water protection <laughs> yeah he was gonna just get in there with him anyway like the movie is insane and i absolutely love well, it Again, i just I, got I, distracted I, by that song that started Oh, yeah, Splish Splash. Bobby Darren's Splish Splash, because this montage... By the way, this movie, like, gets separation anxiety from <laughs> montages if it doesn't have them every, like, three or four minutes. <laughs> like, we just had a basketball montage, and now it's, like, bath montage. Oh, my God. Well, and then you have the drying montage, because Mom's going to be home by, I think it was 4 o'clock? 5 o'clock. Five o'clock. Anyway, it, uh, whatever the hour is, he finally gets him back out and he's, you know, hair dryer and combing him. But now it's like 10 minutes till mom's coming home. And so what happens? He goes out and gets a fucking leaf blower. Oh my God, this movie. I love it. That would traumatize the shit out of any dog on the planet. You pull Not out a buddy, man. He sits there and blower. takes it. His lips are flapping. His ears are going I mean, everywhere. Every dog freaks out with a freaking vacuum cleaner. You pull out a leaf blower. That's fucking artillery. <laughs> 
But what's even crazier about this sequence is that Josh changes clothes, obviously because he got wet, to <laughs> towel the dog off. Then he changes outfits again when he takes him to his room to... Yeah, that's right. He's not wearing the rain gear and he's totally dry. Right, he's he's totally dry. So, but he's got different clothes in the bathroom. And then when he takes him to his room to use the hairdryer, he apparently needed to change clothes again because he's in an entirely different outfit. I miss this because I was distracted by his chair. What was going on with his chair? I did not notice. So the fabric for his chair is jeans. Get the fuck out of here. And I don't mean denim. The backrest part, because it's like kind of like little office chair looking thing. It's just got the little back pad on it, you know? The back side of it, like you can see the pockets of like where the butt of, you know, where your butt yeah. is for the jeans, the back part. That's the back part of the chair. Is That's It's fucking made crazy. out of fucking jeans with pockets. This movie is insane, and I love it. And the insanity continues because he then takes his mom's toothbrush to brush yeah. the dog's teeth. You don't quite know this is mom's yet, but I mean, it's We pink. will learn that this is mom's toothbrush. It's pink. We will learn yeah, this is they, mom's they toothbrush. Yeah, absolutely bring it back. Yeah. So he washes the dog, and then- But he puts the brush back. Perfumes it? Perfumes it. Why the fuck would you perfume the dog? And this is a child who doesn't know how perfume works, and so just- keeps spraying it it's a kid who doesn't know how dog works well obviously i mean he feeds him pudding and spaghettios oh god so anyways mom's back from work and grocery shopping and josh runs down asks if he can help put the groceries away and mom is immediately suspicious like all right what what did you do probably a fairly true to life moment especially this kid as distant as he and unresponsive as he has been towards her this entire time oh hey i just want to do something nice how was your day let me help put the groceries away she's like yeah yeah spit it out what's up Come What'd on. you do? And is she not noticing that suddenly her son is talking and is upbeat? Wouldn't she have more of a reaction than... Yeah, then what have you been up to? It's like, oh, hey, it's like you're yeah, finally yeah, talking. Yeah, she just, yeah, you're right, because she gave him the speech of, you know, dad would want us to be strong and carry on, and he responded with not looking in her general direction. Exactly. No, because then the writer would have to give this woman characteristics, <laughs> and this is the 90s. <laughs> Poor sister, Mary Robert. Yeah, like seriously, like she is magical Disney mom because her literally her entire character is like cheerleading for her son. And failing at napkin sales. <laughs> and failing at napkin sales. That, that, is, that is the extent of her personality. And so the dog pushes the basketball out of Josh's room, attacks it at the top of the stairs, chases it down the stairs into like the room that simultaneously has boxes there unpacking and paint cans and ladders and I all this shit. I have so many problems with this room and this sequence. This is my least favorite part of the movie. They hear the crashing and basically Buddy's trying to get the ball and he's, you know, knocking stuff over, paints flying it. You know, they run to see what's happening. First of all, this paint is far too watery. It would Very not fly watery. like that. When it lands on stuff, you can like see through it. It's a, it's a really shitty paint. You'd have to do like 12 coats to, you know, get a good coverage. <laughs> so that's some bullshit. Why are your paints left open none of these have lids it's not lids are flying off they have been left open she has been at work all day these have been left open all day so now that fucking sucks and at the same time that they have this shitty paint left open there is also an open bucket of wallpaper paste 
which gets knocked over and falls on Buddy, who does the shake thing and it spreads everywhere, including getting on them. And Josh turns and smiles and does that. So can we keep them? It's like, no. I have to clean glue out of dog fur <laughs> and my hair and you and this room. No, I hate this sequence, even though I love this movie. <laughs> the mom, after she gets splattered with wallpaper paste, looks like she just got through making a bukkake film. It is oh, yeah. excessive. I'm going to not think about that because it's also all over Josh and the dog. Yeah. Josh, not as much as the mom. The mom got plastered. There, There's a difference in volume here. I reject this reality and substitute my own. <laughs> I agree. I'm in my happy place. <laughs> Lies and slander. Anyways, cut to Josh putting up found posters and Buddy following. And this is another amazing part of the movie. Somehow, Buddy realizes I love that, that this means he's going to have to go back to Michael Jeter. And every poster Josh puts up, he jumps up and snatches it off of the tree or the poster, whatever. It's like it. literally eating Josh's homework here. His homework is to find the dog's owner. Homework is intrinsically linked to school. Yeah, I tried. Anyways, at least he didn't have to go to the police station and learn about pet posters. <laughs> oh, <laughs> homeward bound. Josh is a smart kid. Oh man. my you god, know. homeward bound. You got called out again. Yep. <laughs> I think we can agree, hands down. This is still this is a lot better movie than homeward this is bound. superior to homeward bound. No, Absolutely. again, I love this movie. Uh, homeward bound's all right. It's just boring as hell. <laughs> I mean, I know you guys hated it, but still. He puts up a flyer in an ice cream store. He gets a cone, like takes like a lick of it and just gives the rest to his dog. And then the dog again got some explosive shits. Stop feeding that dairy shit to your dog was my note. Oh, no, no. It's even worse. He's sitting there eating it. He, yeah, he walks outside, for putting up the fire. He sits down on a bench. He's, you know, eating his ice cream. And he just kind of gets lost in thought and his hands down. And Buddy starts eating the ice cream. And then he just goes, well, all right. And hands him the rest of it. It started off okay dogs eating the ice cream you know but then he's just like oh fuck it here you go <laughs> this movie has an unhealthy obsession with vanilla desserts it is all white you had the wallpaper and the paint paste, as well yeah vanilla it's... puddings no no the paint is pink and blue it's that shitty of paint <laughs> that was my point is feeding white stuff to dogs this director's I'm, like i'm Quentin taking Tarantino? my headphones off i'm not even listening to <laughs> i think it's this director's <laughs> Quentin Tarantino whatever you just said <laughs> He took his headphones off. He literally did not listen to a word I said. We broke John. We finally broke we John. Broke. He could not listen. You've been chipping away for a while. <laughs> the cracks are definitely showing now. Okay, but my question for this scene, my legit question is, why is there white stuff on top of the dog's nose? Like on the upper snout? Like what is that and how did it get there? Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> the actual dog buddy insisted on snorting coke in this movie. <laughs> it was the owl shit that gave him rabies. <laughs> it doesn't even come off in the bath. No. 
Anyways, Josh sees a giant box and gets an idea. And when you saw him pushing this down the street, I was like, please let him be inside it. But no, you see it from the opposite side and he's just pushing this giant, like the giant cardboard box that you would use for, I don't know, a refrigerator. Literally, yeah. My, my note here is this moment of pushing a box home is brought to you by Maytag. Maytag, this movie needs to sell some shit to the adults too. <laughs> this is not the last time we'll see a Maytag product. So he leaves the box in a backyard and he writes buddy on it with sharpie for reasons and puts a smiley face on it yeah 90s didn't know how to take care of dogs you don't leave dogs yeah and he's been referring to him as buddy and the dog is responding and i'm like okay so the dog's already learned his name apparently there's a lot of off-camera training that apparently takes place over the course of a day again like mom found out about the dog he has to go put up flyers of we found this dog this is not two weeks later (laughs) a few hours later Inside, mom asks what's up with the box and, you know, tells him, like, look, you can't keep the dog. They got so much going on, you know, the new job and your school, your sister, all this shit. And she's like, look, the dog can stay for one week if nobody claims him going to the pound. But then Josh convinces her to let him stay until Christmas, which is just over two weeks away. And my note here is, is there no snow in the Pacific Northwest this time of year? Maybe they're close enough to the coast. But what I loved was um, a line a little bit earlier in the conversation where she's like no you can't give him a home in a cardboard box we're not keeping him you know all of this and josh complains that that is inhumane and and mom says yeah and he's not human (laughs) (laughs) and again the motivation for this mom has just been completely forgotten about josh is finally opening up and she is literally taking away this one opening that seems to have happened since his dad died okay but then legitimately great thing in this movie that becomes really perplexing this is a one shot they are walking through the house the camera is moving around and this is all one shot and as they're going and you see out various windows you see buddy going around the house outside and then they end up in the entryway the camera catches a bit of the top of the stairs and he's at the top of the stairs and i'm just like what the fuck is this movie but it actually explains it It and here's the thing we see him at the top of the stairs just as she's telling him and you can't bring him inside I I won't. I promise. I swear. I swear. I absolutely won't. So well done. That was an amazingly well done sequence. And the line that ends this sequence off is, she says to Josh, the mom, I swear you'll grow up to be a lawyer someday. As in, like, he lawyered her into letting him keep the dog for a bit longer. Cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I can't picture this scene in my head because I watched this movie several days ago and there's been a lot of alcohol between now and then. (laughs) For some reason, I have in big, bold letters, shoes off the bed, you little fucking savage. So apparently he did it again. They weren't muddy enough to just be left on the carpet. <laughs> yeah, they, they got standards in that house. But Buddy is sleeping under the bed. And now we get to the B-plot of the movie, which is Buddy stealing newspapers. We touched on this earlier. Yeah, it just kind of ends that Buddy's down there. Josh has no idea he's in the room. But the uh, if we cut to the next morning, the newspaper gets delivered. For some reason, Josh keeps his window open. And so Buddy is able to climb out onto a lower section of the roof and the 
this sort of like decorative garden arch thing that has ivy growing on it. Use that to jump down to a little lower wall and the car and stuff. And like, oh my God, that's how he got into the house. You see yes. him go up and down this thing a lot of times. And so I went from what the fuck? How did this dog teleport to? <gasps> this dog is a genius. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He goes down, takes the paper and runs to the backyard. And then the mom comes out to get the paper, but can't find it and is wearing socks outside because just like her kid, she does not know how to footwear. (laughs) I mean, at least Tony Soprano wore his fucking slippers down to go get his newspaper, you know? So ask Josh about the paper, but Josh is too excited to run outside and play with Buddy. And then Mom brushes her- Yeah, the posters literally had to have been the same day, and this is the next day, because this is our toothbrush reveal. Right, but she brushes her teeth in the downstairs bathroom. That's not the biggest revelation in the world. (laughs) Josh dried himself and changed his clothes. He could have taken Buddy downstairs to brush his teeth, or taken the brush upstairs and then walked it back down. I don't know. It's a fucked up house where the master bedroom's on the ground floor. Okay, maybe that explains it. But I was like, why is her bathroom on the ground floor? That's weird. But yeah, she notices a dog hair in her toothbrush, and that's gross. That's it. That's the payoff of the toothbrush thing. We will. <laughs> this will never be spoken of again. Thank God that's the only time. So now we're at basketball practice, and Josh sweatily inflates the balls while the team plays. I think he's getting more of a workout than the people actually playing basketball. (laughs) I mean, just by sweat volume for damn sure. Then Larry the bully body checks him while he holds a padded obstacle that looks like it belongs at football practice and not at basketball practice. Yeah, it's absolutely something from football practice, or maybe they had a spare punching bag around the school and I guess it's just to have an opponent because they're running drills where like you approach and then like kind of fast break around him but Larry just fucking body checks him the coach does nothing nope coach don't care doesn't say a word we also see the magical black man watching all of this from the shadows as he walks away still have not seen his face yet and that night presumably uh, Josh finds the fuse box at the abandoned church and gets the lights on yeah apparently he's been doing repairs I mean, he, he's cleaned up, not just like the area for the ball court. Like he's cleaned out weeds. The fence is looking nice. Like it's insane. Yeah. And he's he's painting lines, but Buddy steps on the paint and makes really pronounced paw prints that doesn't seem possible because he barely touched the paint. And I mean, kids movies, so you have that. Oh, no, don't do that. Can't you see it's wet paint? Yay. Yes, dog knows your English. And then night basketball ensues, and Josh has even put up, like, a metal net in the net. I don't know what the fuck it's called, the hoop. The shitty metal, like, kind of chain net was always there. Um, I'm not sure if it's right here or later, but he he gives it a proper net. It's, it happens later, but no, he put up the chain net. There was no net. There was no nets before he put it up. Uh, I thought it was always there. Anyway, that's far from the most important shit that happens in this. Now... Mom sees that Josh and Buddy are super happy playing in the backyard. Josh just grabs a slice of pizza. Really shitty looking pizza. This pizza did not look appetizing. It's hot and ready before hot and ready existed. Ready, yes. Hot, maybe. (laughs) 
And he just gets to take his slice of pizza to his bedroom to eat while doing homework, which was never allowed in my house. Oh, hell no. You had to eat at the table. It was a it was a special occasion if we laid a blanket down and you got to eat while like watching a movie or something, you know, like living room picnic style. And then we get to see the laptop he has in his room. And good Lord, this laptop, (laughs) if this falls on like a child's head, it's dying. This is a thick boy. <laughs> this is a thick boy with a like like a trackball attached to the right of it. <laughs> so weird. They were a thing. Hey, they That's were true. a thing. I still say though, just him having a laptop at all was just like very yeah, seriously for the, the privilege 90s. of this kid. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, for the nineties. That plus he doesn't he doesn't look like he's doing his homework. He looks like he's doing his taxes. Just with the papers and the <laughs> laptop. It's yeah. What is he even doing? Yeah, he's like looking at his book and then he's like typing into his laptop. Like what? What is this homework? He's teaching the computer math so that he no longer has to do his homework. <laughs> He's taking a five-mile journey today so he doesn't have to do half a mile every day for a month. <laughs> sure, why not? The dog sneaks through the window and snatches the pizza. Yeah, Buddy comes in through the window again. So now, like, yeah, Josh didn't even know he was in there last time. And this is where we find out that the pizza uses, instead of cheese, uses chewing gum because of the way it stretches. Yes, I had elastic, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had as, like, the dog jumps in and is like, cool, pizza. They do have a bit of a fight for it. And I'm like, if you feed that dog fucking pizza (laughs) after the pudding and the ice cream and the spaghettios, and he gives in, it's just like, here you go, once again. Damn it, Josh. He's fighting for it like he, he wants to still eat it. And I'm like, kid, it's been in a dog's mouth. Just let it happen at this point. <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, you could like cut the end off. But you still have most of the pizza and just go get another slice. Just yeah, go or down, keep get it as a one. resistance band because it obviously <laughs> operates under the same principles. <laughs> so mom hears the commotion, goes up to investigate. And it's like, nothing to see here, mom. Just doing my homework on my bed for some reason. Sitting upright. Don't think about this too hard. With this pile of laundry that I am petting, and you can clearly see a dog's exactly. snout sticking out of. And she's like, oh, how about I take some of this laundry? She's like, no, I'll take it. You've been working really hard. Again, no <laughs> red flags go up. Yeah, this harkens back to when he first watched Buddy. And it's like, okay, what are you up to? She's just about to ask. She knows something's up, but he is literally saved by the bell because a phone call happens. Yes. Actually, no. One, how does she not lose her shit? Because you can see the muzzle. My actual note here is saved by the Karen. Oh, yeah, because some... This phone call is because Josh thinks that the flyers worked because it's like, yeah, my son put those up. And he's like, oh, shit. But it's someone bitching because... got put up on private property instead of public and she has to apologize for josh for a lost dog yeah putting up flyers that they found a lost dog and i want to think it's just the ice cream shop because that's the only place that we saw otherwise it was like trees and poles for power lines so anyways we see buddies hiding under there and we we knew it yeah no shit you could could see him could see him (laughs) this movie is ridiculous and i love it so the next morning we get more buddy stealing the paper Mm -hmm. and mom coming out but at least she's got shoes on this time she's not just coming out and (laughs) that was important movie's learning how to footwear 
<laughs> finally learning how to footwear. But don't worry, it'll, it'll, it'll ruin it soon. So now it's basketball practice again. And afterwards... No, there's a quick note here when she's picking up the newspaper, because she asked her neighbor if he got his. That's Larry's dad. They're next-door neighbors? They are next-door neighbors. This is the only taste of that you get in the movie. But that's Larry's dad who walks, who's walking back in the house. He's like, yeah, I got my paper. Totally went over my head. I did not take a good look at the guy next door. So now it's basketball practice again. And afterwards, the players chuck all their dirty laundry at him. Okay, I'm glad this wasn't a thing that just, you know, weirded me out. Right. Like, what school has laundry service for the sports team? Surely you take that your clothes home. That is literally my note. What public school has laundry services? Apparently this one, and Josh is the laundry bitch. Yeah, to go into the bowels of the school. It's not like they have a little room for laundry. No. No, this is like where it comes and kills yeah, you. Yeah, this is the climax of a horror movie. It is 100% where Freddy was from Nightmare on Elm Street. It's the dirty, nasty boiler room. Exactly. <laughs> So he goes down there, and he notices the engineer's office, right? And he finds an orgy of the, mise-en-scene. Yes! Absolutely. <laughs> that, is, that is the absolute best way to describe this. He finds, like, engineering books. See, there's a computer in there. There's a chess. Because we need to know that Magical Black Man is a really smart guy. Like, like, we just need to know this. He also finds an old-timey New York Knicks jersey and a photo of a younger Magical black man shaking some random white guy's hand are we supposed to i'm know sorry this you don't keep your prized possessions and memorabilia at work <laughs> in the boiler room <laughs> well that's where your office is he can't really help where his office is honestly if i had saw a bunk bed in the corner where he just like like a cot and we learned that the guy lives there you would not see it because josh didn't get to that cabinet and it's a murphy bed uh, that makes sense so question for anyone who knows old-timey basketball is this white guy anybody that we see the picture of just a random white guy there was so much for me to dive into and research on this movie that was something I did not get yeah, around to. Yeah, I was to. not going to research into that random white guy. Yeah, I was just like, okay, he's shaking some random white guy's hand. Who gives a fuck? And then he hears something, so he rushes back to work the laundry machine. The laundry machine, they are Maytag, so we're this, you know, That's child doing That's where laundry. it came in, okay. They were remarkably clean for this environment. Very, very clean. <laughs> and so, Magical Black Guy comes in, tells Josh to use cold water, because otherwise he's going to shrink them. But doesn't walk up to talk to him. No, he's changing a light bulb 15 feet away and he's just like, cold water. Huh? Use cold water or they'll shrink. And Josh is like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he changes this light bulb. We finally see his face. He's like, look, I don't get why you're putting yourself through all of this. And my note here is me either, magical black guy. Me <laughs> either. I don't get this. And Josh's response to this, he says, look, I, I just like basketball. So just fucking play basketball, Josh. What the fuck are you doing being the team's bitch? I like it so much. I attended tryouts to not do anything and stayed there the entire time because I just like it. And I let sweaty teenage boys throw their gross sweaty teenage boy shirts all over is that his fetish is that no they're just treating him like shit because he's the new kid team manager who has obviously not bothered to even try and 
make friends, so kids are cruel. Yeah, kids are all very cruel. It could become a fetish. Yeah, he's not old enough to have one yet. Watch this space. <laughs> Anyways. Again, this is a series with the same characters and some of the same actors. I've only seen this one. <laughs> God, we're going to get to the end of the franchise by three years down the line, aren't we? Airbud 5, shit gets kinky. Wait, uh, no. Wait until <laughs> I tell you about the fourth one. Holy fuck. Airbud in space, except there's no air. Space There buddies. is a Space Buddies. There is a Space no, Buddies. Oh buddies. my God. I think that one's on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> This isn't. Of course, there's a Space Buddies. So that night, Josh goes home and he pulls out some old basketball cards because he thinks he recognizes Magical Black Man. And it turns out he was this guy called Arthur Cheney, uh, not to be confused with Dick Cheney. No. And at one point, the coach did refer to him as Art. It was like something needed fixed or whatever. Yeah. And so he used to play for the Knicks. Why is this significant other than he's going to coach the team? Because basketball. Because basketball. Go fuck yourself. So school's out for Christmas, even though it's not snowing in the Pacific Northwest. The most completely unnecessary Christmas montage I have ever seen in any movie. Well, we're almost at unnecessary Christmas montage. (laughs) So while the school gets dismissed for Christmas, he asks Arthur if he could sign his card, puts it through a slot. Yeah, again, it's this weird boiler room situation, but boiler rooms are typically cramped. This is expansive. This is really catwalk. It's yeah. Art is up on a catwalk. Bill Cobbs, you know, with kind of like the graded flooring as they tend to have. But like there's a section of the grading that's missing. So it's easier to slide a trading card through it. Yeah. So he signs him a trading card and he's like, hey, can you sign this card for me? And he gives it back to him. He's like, no, man, that guy's dead. He's died a long time ago. Like a really morbid way of saying I'm not that guy anymore. And it's not, hey, is this you? And then if he finds out, could you sign it for me? Like, that's how the conversation starts. Did yeah. Josh at some point confess that he was snooping around in Bill Cobbs's, you know, cabinets? I mean, maybe he could have conceivably thought that older art he could recognize recognize him i don't know i don't know either because as far as we know this is their second conversation ever yeah you think art planted all of those other pieces to just sort of distract him from the basketball stuff he didn't want to find i've had such an orgy of mise-en-scene that i was trying to block you from the basketball backstory yeah with all the engineering books and the math and the i have to put all this complicated nerd shit out here so that the people who are into sports won't steal my priceless piece of professional (laughs) basketball history that I keep in a locker at the goddamn school. He should have had a Dungeon Master shield out, and that would have absolutely (laughs) scared all the shocks away. (laughs) The combination to the lock is that you have to be able to calculate a spell-saving throw. (laughs) So Josh is walking away outside at the school, and then he hears basketball coming from the court, and he goes inside, and Arthur still knows how to bat basketball yeah so clearly he lives there yeah he clearly lives there the school is cleared out and he just has alone basketball time like josh does outside the church 
Oh. And so now we get the weirdest fucking Christmas montage. It's so <laughs> unnecessary, just absolutely unneeded. It wasn't just that Pixar revolutionized the montage with some really incredible storytelling. I have a feeling that montages just sucked beforehand. There's just absolutely no purpose to so many montages and movies. Unless they were Rocky training montages. All the other <laughs> well, ones course, sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anytime you need to go from just a beginner to a pro, you need a montage. This is not one of those situations. Nor is any montage in this movie. No, no montage is necessary. <laughs> and Christmas is unnecessary. Like, I, as a guy who loves Christmas, I love me some Christmas. Me too. This is unnecessary Christmas. Like, we already know that, that like, that's the deadline for Keeping Buddy was Christmas, which was coming up in a couple weeks. But you apparently really need to know this is Christmas. We have the mom reading, Is There a Santa Claus while Oh Holy Night plays. Like, there's this whole thing going on, and it's just, it's pointless. The meat of it is, Josh wakes up the next day, Buddy isn't at the end of the bed like he was the night before, comes down panicked, because he thinks, oh shit, maybe Mom got rid of Buddy, but no, she's put Buddy in a whole bunch of ribbons because they're going to keep the dog now. Yay. Well, that's, that's the scene. That's not part of the montage. The montage right. is the montage was unnecessary. unnecessary beforehand. Yeah, we just Agreed. skipped it. We didn't even really talk about the story that's being read, and I'm cool with that. The Is There a Santa Claus? Yeah. No, like, and what it says and all that stuff. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't Yeah, none of it matters. Matter. Nothing matters. The, the only thing that I, I had about that was uh, I, I had a theory a while back that uh, Buddy is, in fact, a ghost, and uh, this montage ref refers to something that neither children nor men can see, like ghosts or Air Bud, and that was to confirm my theory. The problem is it's a terrible theory and doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, it's a terrible theory because the story's terrible and it's like the only things that are real are things that you cannot see or detect yeah. in any way. Those it's are the true. only things that are truly true. Well, another thing you can't detect in this movie is proper spelling because we are at <laughs> the coach's office. It says coach's office. There is no apostrophe in coaches. That is correct. It is not spelled correctly in terms of the possessive or the plural. It is just a fucked up sign. It's Coach's office. <laughs> yeah, coach. Uh, yeah. And so uh, George W. Coach is telling Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Get him in now. He won't be with us much longer. <laughs> yep. Tells Arthur, Artie, you know, Cheney, that two of his team have moved or something. They're no longer. So he's going to have to hold like extra tryouts for the boys who didn't make the initial selection. And you know all the kids' lockers, so. Put these flyers in them. Josh gets one and Larry the bully walks past and tells him not to waste his time. And did he even read the flyer? He just sees Josh with a piece of paper. How does Larry know that there's flyers? Yeah, doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And I totally called out what happens next with Josh when I was watching it for the very first time because he got all solemn and sad and he literally is at a crossroads and if only dad was here, he would know what to do about whether or not to try out for basketball. Yeah, he's having this like conversation out loud to Buddy at the abandoned church. He's like, you know, yeah, he's like, what should I do? What my dad? I wish dad was here. Like, just you know what to do. Just fucking play basketball. What are the? Clearly, his dad didn't know what to do. I mean, even in the banner headline, oh. he died. Oh. <laughs> but <laughs> more it was importantly, an experimental jet. We have the obituary. He was flying in the special test or die air corps. This is not a man who makes great decisions. <laughs> he does make great decisions. He is there to promote the 
the betterment of our society. He takes the risk so we don't have to. And paid the ultimate prize. And then I want to play baseball just like you, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Space Jam reference. I'm going to put on ladies' clothes and walk on the wings of an airplane just like you, Dad. (laughs) Son. That's a terrible idea. (laughs) I don't even know why I do it. (laughs) So Buddy wants to play basketball, but Josh doesn't. So he tosses the ball so Buddy can play with himself, but he scores a basket. One thing I wanted to point out is that uh, in the shot beforehand, Buddy takes a big chomp out of the basketball and it like gives way. So this basketball is clearly flat. So how it bounces in the next shot, I have no idea. Oh, the magic of friendship is the only way this ball bounces. <laughs> yeah, no, that that fluctuates between does Buddy need to make a basket or does Buddy need to carry the ball of how inflated <laughs> this thing is. As mentioned about the dog's actual training, he's always trying to bite it. <laughs> it's just too inflated. The movie does not understand how balls work. I was just going to leave that with the rest of the fires. <laughs> Well, another thing it doesn't understand is uh, spacing out montages because we have a fucking another one (laughs) right here. And it's, you know, them playing, buddies scoring baskets and just, you know, Josh going, yes, like really cheesily. In this whole sequence, we see the yellow bird again. The yellow bird comes. Yeah, yeah, random. Yeah, this is where (laughs) yellow bird makes its appearance. So this is the point at which I'm going to ask John, how do you explain this one? As I covered beforehand, (laughs) I can't. I expect you to pay attention while we're doing these recordings. I know, I'm just trying to put you on the spot. I know that we send our podcast out into the void where no one's listening, but I at least expected that from you, (laughs) who count me as one of your best friends. Thank you very much. I consider you one of my best friends. I do not listen to you, though. Oh, man. If only Dad were here right now. (laughs) So on the way home, Josh tells Buddy that they need to keep his basketball powers a secret. (laughs) Why? Why? This movie doesn't know how to create obstacles if Michael (laughs) Jeter isn't involved. Like, what the fuck? So Josh shows up for the the extra tryouts. It turns out he wasn't supposed to get a flyer. George W. Coach didn't have the heart to tell him. But then there's this kid with the most ridiculous bowl cut. And he convinces the coach to give Josh a shot. So Josh gets a basket and basketballs well, so he makes the team. Well, Josh is late. So clearly he, he grew late. up to be Matt Brody. That's a good find. Because the, the flyer is explicit about 3.30 sharp is when we start. And kids are already there trying out or at least warming up. And Josh comes walking in and he's like, manager, I don't know, go wash something. Like, <laughs> what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm here to try out. You're late and you're not even supposed to have that. And he's like, well, I got one. Well, anyways, he makes the team because the movie needs to keep moving forward. We've already discussed this so my question here probably is invalid now but i was like do middle school basketball games have cheerleaders but apparently this is a high school so what the fuck do i know Mm, some can can we get to creepy stalker kid yes oh god we are there and i am terrified this is Stuart. we kind of glossed over his quote-unquote introduction when coach is being an asshole during one of the earlier practices because Stuart can't catch he's i'm not sure how he's on the team he's really not that good i can't imagine there were 12 other kids that were worse than him. And coach only wants winners, so... This is seriously me level of playing basketball. But it's like, Stuart, what do you think you're doing? Your job is to 
give Larry the ball. So that's the kind of team we're running here. But yeah. Oh my God. Please take it away, Jules, of just why Stewart is so goddamn unsettling. Stewart is Bullcut Kid. Just got to clarify. He has been going to basketball games and picking up foodstuffs that basketball players have left behind. For good luck, he hands Josh, while they're in the locker room, he reaches into his sock. This isn't in the pocket or something. He reaches into his fucking sock to give him some of Scotty Pippen's orange peel. Yep. <laughs> and Josh is weirded out to his credit. He's weirded out, but he's polite. He's like, I don't think, uh, I don't think I should take that. That's your good luck charm. And Stuart says, It's okay. And why is it okay? Because he's got an apple core from some other fucking <laughs> he's basketball. He's got Sean Kemp's apple core in his other sock. My note here is this kid absolutely grows up to be a school shooter. And then. <laughs> When he shows Josh the apple core, he gives him that eyebrow raise of like, yeah, see? Ain't that cool? No, no, Stuart. That is not cool. And the thing is, Josh takes the orange peel and puts it in his sock. So the movie is basically saying this shit's normal and they expect us to sort of accept yeah, it. Yeah, this is not a weird thing at all. And it's perishable food. That shit's rotting and moldy. So anyways, as they're heading out to the court, uh, Larry calls him Waterboy and tells him to stay out of his way. And back home, Buddy notices that Josh's window is closed and heads out on an adventure to find him. Call smash into him, dies, end of movie, weird ending. The pudding cups didn't get him, but running through the streets did. And then my notes just here are, yay, Josh, because that's all the mom does for the rest of the movie is yay, Josh. <laughs> More or less, yeah. Like this poor actress, like she... <laughs> She's done better movies. She's had better roles. She's a good actress. She deserves better than yay, Josh. Can we go to the douchey kid's dad? I say literally the next note that I have is Larry's dad is an asshole. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> bully gets a basket. I call it bully. Larry gets a basket. So we see his moron dad for the first time, who's definitely a product of inbreeding. Wow. Then it's on him. His douchey dad looks and acts like the kind of guy who would drop ham and Bibles on Muslims in World War II. Yes, he does. He does look like he'd do that. (laughs) Oof, he gives off strong racist vibes. More uh, more to come. So Josh gets put in because like this big kid mouths off to the ref, so replace it with Josh. Yay, Josh! We get more yay, Josh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Buddy, who's rocked up to the school, is just kind of chilling under a table outside the court, kind of looking in through an open door. Okay, so what the hell is with this movie and people just leaving doors and windows open? Because they wouldn't have a movie if people (laughs) acted rationally. There's a basketball game going on at the school. Fine. You don't leave the doors to the school propped open, though. Well, you want to make sure that all the kids can see the Pepsi and Gatorade on the table. Um, Let them know what they're fighting for. Yeah, this high school basketball game is definitely brought to you by Pepsi. (laughs) It is absolutely brought to you by Pepsi. Very 90s looking Pepsi cans. Huh, imagine that. In the 90s? Shocker. Buddy sees Josh dribbling the ball and runs out and just, I just have general dog chaos ensues. Just The crowd loves it. I have slapstick montage. Yeah. 
Yes. Worst referee collision ever. Yep. The refs bump into each other. The Gatorade gets spilled over. But when the refs bump into each other, they look like a couple of dolphins flapping at each other. It's really <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how much fucking wax did they put on this floor? Because when Buddy tries to run, his paws are slipping all over the goddamn place. It's I think it's like he's a cartoon dog <laughs> who's revving up to go supersonic speed and his legs are just... It's all like cocaine, you know? <laughs> I believe you mean owl rabies. That's the street term. <laughs> Give me a hit oh of that owl rabies. <laughs> <laughs> There's a shirt. <laughs> so eventually Josh grabs the ball, but then Buddy punts it with his nose and scores, and the crowd is very impressed by this. And Honestly, Mom, if I was in the crowd, I would have been having a hell of a time, too. They were having a hell of a time. Like, the slaps, they enjoyed the slapstick yep. like oh this boring ass basketball game is paused so we can watch crazy shit so mom embarrassed takes buddy outside and okay because they have a table in the corner i have to ask what the fuck is a booster club oh uh, basically they're in charge of running like fundraiser stuff for the school it's a whole bunch of different stuff a lot of times you know the the popcorn and candy they sell these folks would be in charge of like you know picking up from costco or whatever any raffle drawings that sort of thing okay but they also seem to like encompass the cheerleaders as well who the fuck i was knows? never I was part like, of it. i don't know <laughs> I'd never heard of this term before. Like, I'd forgotten it was in this movie. And in the age of COVID, Booster Club just sounds, like, very different than what they were clearly <laughs> yeah, intending. Yeah, good point. But yeah, no, it was a fun reason. And the, at least my perspective on it was it was always just something kind of that the adults did. Yeah, it's just kind of a fun name for, you know, helping the school get some money. This one seems to be run by girl characters yeah, who doesn't mean anything. In this one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the principal is introducing this other student who apparently runs the Booster Club because hey that dog made a basket this could be a cool thing to help promote and you know we could sell tickets and all this shit but the way the principal introduces is it's almost like this is my daughter you two should hook up right okay thank you a daughter is like this is like Marsha Brady and is sort of yes! presented to him like <laughs> this is your offering you know your family owes me three goats and a <laughs> yeah it totally came across of I am giving this gift to you thank you for <laughs> gracing us with your amazingness there was definitely a romance subplot yeah. that got cut there they had there has to be like there's no other reason for this character to be introduced other than they were supposed to be boyfriend and girlfriend and at some point disney was like no there's way too much cooties in this maybe movie. it's something in the sequel who knows marsha brady and josh get together maybe and this principle was starting to annoy me when we did groundhog day i mentioned the term chronically perky and that's how this principle comes across and i was like <laughs> yes oh Oh my god. But you know what? She immediately redeems herself. She does. She does. And before we figure out how, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back with some really disturbing shit in the second half <laughs> of Airbud. <laughs> All rise. The Honorable Judge Jules presiding. Order in the court. Now, what's this case about? Your Honor, Nick here snuck into my apartment and stole my entire collection of Beanie Babies. I see. And how do you plead? Not guilty. Those Beanie Babies don't love John, they love me. For the last time, they're inanimate objects. They're tiny stuffed animals. They can't love. Yeah, well, says you. Ah, but John... 
Can you prove that the Beanie Babies are yours? I can, Your Honor. You'll see here that I have receipts, my credit card statement reflecting said purchases, and I even have security footage from the store I bought them in. These are definitely mine. Seems like an open and shut case. What do you say, Nick? They're my friends and they want to be with me, see? Please stop making my Beanie Babies hug you. Hmm... They do seem to have a strong affection for you, Nick. They are tiny, stuffed animals, and I just proved I legally own them. Yeah, well, John also abuses them. (gasps) That's a very serious accusation. Do you have proof? I don't have proof. I just know. Okay, this is just ridiculous. Nick, I can see by your sincere and pained look that you are telling the truth. I hereby award custody of the Beanie Babies to you. Case dismissed. Oh, you have got to be kidding me. As for you, John, I sentence you to death for beanie baby abuse. Wait, how is that even a thing? Where is this law coming from? Where did you even get a degree to start? I passed the bar at Airbud University. Of course, well that explains it. And look, there's nothing in the rule book that says I can't execute you for beanie baby abuse. <laughs> And we're back. So we're still kind of post-game. Josh has clearly showered and changed. We're talking to the perky principal. And Buddy hears the sound of basketball going on. So he runs away and Josh kind of follows him. And now we get some good old-fashioned child abuse in the middle of this kid's movie. Yeah, because Stewart again dropped the ball during a game. And so yeah, so George W. Coach is just tossing ball after ball, trying to get him to catch a ball. And it's Really? Stuart's got a bloody nose in this uh, fucking scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As I mentioned before the break, Principal immediately redeems herself because she is in authority mode yes. and calls him out, and that will be all. And we cut and find out he's been fucking fired. Way to go. Absolutely. Buddy turns out to be a child abuse-seeking dog. It's weird, because he's the one who led them all up there. He went for the basketball, man. <laughs> It's not like he sniffs out abuse. (laughs) That's the movie we got to write. A child abuse seeking dog out for justice. One of them chases down child abusers. The other just wants some pudding. (laughs) (laughs) Together, they're a wacky wild team. Derpity derp dogs. (laughs) This Christmas on Fox. Somehow starring Rob Schneider. (laughs) Rob Schneider is... The pudding. Ah, <laughs> uh-uh. uh, we're all going to hell. Anyways, back at home, Bob is like calling to find out what's been happening with her newspaper deliveries. Apparently, it like took her weeks to find out what the fuck was going on. She like was really yeah, because they were missing, and then two weeks passed for Christmas, and it's sometime after that. Yeah, good point. But now, continue with the bad footwear thing. I think this is what you're referring to, Duels. Yeah, Josh is making sneakers for. Buddy uh, with like duct tape? Kids movie. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> Do not put shoes on your dog. Just stop. Yeah. Just, yeah. The only re- like legitimate reason I have heard for putting footwear on dogs is if you live in a really hot area and you're taking them for a walk and it's to protect them from the pavement. Like that is the right, only. But that's function. Whenever dogs are dressed up in these crazy outfits, there is nothing functional about it. But he's so cute. He's got his little outfit on his tiny little shoes. It looks like those shoes are compressing his forepaws. It's 
Well, not in this scene. Well, I think Buddy knows what's coming because he kicks one of the shoes and like breaks something off screen. And there's kind of a, oh, Buddy moment. Yeah, yeah. I think that counts for a bingo stamp. So then Josh, the next day, presumably, talks to the principal, asking if they found a new basketball coach. Uh, tells him that Larry's dad is going to be the coach until they find a permanent one. And he's like, hey, actually, I have a suggestion. Larry's dad was already coaching from the stands. Because, like, Larry made his basket, and he's like, you make the basket, and you gotta draw the foul, Larry. Like, yeah, he's one of those parents. Ugh, the worst. And so who would he suggest? Well, obviously, it's Arthur. Weird that nobody knew, despite the fact that, like, he had all this memorabilia around the engineering office. Nobody knew he used to play for the Knicks, and nobody thought, hey, maybe Arthur would be a good coach for our basketball well, team. they weren't there when he moved in. I feel like he's been there a while. He got the job, he got the keys, and then sometime after school, he moved in. That's when the little U-Haul trailer showed up. And, you know, so anyways, to... Arthur comes in, shows up to practice. Nobody greets him when he says good morning to them. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I'm not saying good morning to you. Who the fuck are you, basement dweller? Yeah, Larry's got that, oh, what face going on? Like, who the hell is this? My dad was supposed to be coaching. Also, my dad doesn't like your kind. We will get into that. Uh, uh, yeah, no, he doesn't. So anyway, yeah, they do theater exercises. Yeah, I, I have heard it. They do an improv slash theater exercise with an invisible ball. <laughs> the imaginary basketball game. The imaginary basketball game. And everyone is into this except for Larry. He's calling it stupid. And for some reason, Buddy is there. I'm not sure why. But he sees the imaginary ball. He sees what their hands are doing, and he's tracking that shit. And through this all, Coach calls out Larry for playing selfishly. like Because he's like, hey, you got to watch who actually has the ball. Stop assuming that you're the center of attention for everything. You got to learn how to play like a team. Which I enjoyed. Practice with an invisible ball turns into a real game, and it's now halftime. Oh, God. Yes. And yes. Perky Principal introduces Josh and Buddy. So, of course, for the halftime show, they want Buddy to shoot a basket because, you know, everyone loved it. And now he's got stage fright he's got stage fright everyone's watching <laughs> and so when josh chucks him the ball it just bucks on his it head, and, falls the head and, bounces <laughs> and so good it's so good how many takes did they just chuck a ball at this dog that was my night too how many bucks on the head to this dog well, not just that. The dog has been trained to snap at the ball. So how many takes did it take to get him to just stand still and not actually go for it? I thought they had to bring in a stunt dog not to do a stunt. That's a good point. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that bonk is just... Oh, uh, it's priceless. <laughs> so yeah, like, and again, like, why is him being nervous a thing other than to create obstacles because <laughs> we're still waiting for Michael Jeter to be an actual antagonist. I, I, I just want to point out that if, you know, a lot of these fans who arrived to the game were from the other team and they'd just been told about this halftime show. <laughs> during the halftime, a kid <laughs> throws a basketball. <laughs> it's a dog. It it's a dog. <laughs> Imagine if it ended there. And you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong? <laughs> Josh gives the dog a pep talk and he finds his whatever and he does the thing and yay. And the crowd goes wild and yeah. 
Yep. And then the game goes on. So Larry's hogging the ball and Arthur pulls him off. And dad gets upset and takes Larry home. And I legitimately thought the dad was going to say something racist here. The way <laughs> he reacts to Arthur did not feel like it felt racial. I just took it as he's just one of those parents that gets way too into the thing. Yeah, yeah. Again, he's but trying still, to coach he, his kid from the stands. And... His, his look is the look of... Yeah. Well, it's yeah, rural yeah. Washington. There are... I, no, I'm, I'm not denying it could totally be a factor, but it's, it's further than this Disney movie is willing to take it, at least overtly. And then Josh chokes in the last second and the team loses why does josh choke other than because the movie literally has no stakes or obstacles right now i've got a couple things one there's a really good lesson about learning to accept failure and coming back and learning from your mistakes two would you be able to focus if someone came to guard you the way that kid is running Oh my god, slow-mo running kid is my world. This kid could double as wacky, wavy, inflatable <laughs> arm guy outside of car dealerships. <laughs> the flapping hands. Oh my god. So and, good. And, and as Jules noted, glorious slow-mo. You can just drink every moment of this show. This kid looks like Omri from Indian in the Cupboard trying to play basketball. <laughs> it's that crazy oh man but yeah it's worth watching this movie sometimes for just brilliant moments like <laughs> flappy arms slow-mo running kid uh i take umbrage to your use of the word sometimes it is worth watching this movie it is a delight <laughs> <laughs> so after choking we see josh practicing alone at the court and uh, then coach arthur comes in wearing a cosby sweater they were going for a bill cosby vibe before we knew what the vibe was actually oh absolutely so basically, Josh thinks that if he'd made the shot, the other kids would accept him. No other kid except Larry's being a dick to him. Okay, but here's the thing. The only kid that's talking to him is Stuart. And so if you're associated with Stuart, you're gonna be ostracized. <laughs> this is true. Stuart, who should legally not be allowed to own a trench coat. That's his vibe. But anyway, there's a good lesson that happens in this scene. Yeah, Arthur basically tells the kid that he choked because he took the shot for the wrong reasons. He needs to play from the heart. Yeah, look at that dog, man. Like, he don't care. He don't care if anyone's watching. He doesn't care about being famous. He just loves shooting baskets. Although the dog did care that it was being watched as we saw in the previous scene. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. <laughs> and now we get... Spinning newspaper montage! If this movie doesn't have a montage every few minutes, it starts getting the shakes. And did you note what was in this newspaper? Oh, I again have a screenshot ready to go. <laughs> So this newspaper clearly has the date of 1996. Well, you, I can start this. I did the last one. You do this one. Well, we get a few newspapers. And that's important to note. So this one is like, dog inspires comeback. And it starts off talking, as previously mentioned, the local high school heroes are on a winning streak and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, talking about the team. That's that one paragraph. And then here is how they transition from talking about Buddy to the next paragraph of this story. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> this amazing mascot has a better scoring average than most of the rest of the team. After a search which spanned three hours and four minutes of the Columbia River, rescuers pulled the tot Ivan Andrews to safety. Two officers were freed yesterday after being held in the jungle for 17 days by the Viet Cong and said they had been constantly interrogated. These are three sentences in a row in this goddamn newspaper article. And here's the thing. It's just these two paragraphs repeated for the rest of the story. And it's also the same two paragraphs of every story in every newspaper for the rest of this fucking movie. And it goes on in detail. You know, they yes, were beaten of the treatment of these people who were abducted by the Viet Cong and held for two and a half weeks. What? This movie is insane and I love it. <laughs> in this place, remember the town slogan, Everything can happen. And everything and is possible. Everything does in the newspaper. <laughs> Jesus oh Christ. God. A story about high schoolers who aren't high schoolers with a dog who has a better scoring average, who only performs at goddamn halftime, so he's not <laughs> even scoring, gets mixed in with a search and rescue of a tot who gets one sentence and two officers. We don't know what kind. Are they police? Are they deputies? <laughs> Are they military? Oh, my God. Oh, oh my dear. God. All right, so because this movie got rid of Larry, the only antagonist it's had for most of the movie, we now see Michael Jeter. He's in his shitty little apartment, and he's watching the halftime show that makes the local news, apparently. My note here is the news reporter is here instead of covering the Vietnam War, which is apparently still going on. <laughs> in this universe. Get your ass down there. There's shit to be covered. Wait, 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 wait. Are you implying that the Viet Cong were not in the jungles of the northwestern United States? <laughs> <laughs> Everything can happen. The Vietnamese came over and planted their own jungle in the Pacific Northwest so they would feel at home. Oh my God. <laughs> this movie is insane and I love it. <laughs> During basketball montage with the papers, uh, Stuart learns how to catch. Bill Cobbs, it shows him being an awesome coach and actually supportive of the kids and helping him overcome their troubles. There are nice things in this movie. They do exist. I promise. <laughs> they don't. Anyway, so Michael Jeter sees that his old dog has learned some new tricks, and they are potentially very lucrative new tricks. He also just drops his dinner. Yeah, it's that I'm shocked and I drop what I'm holding. It's usually a teacup for some reason, but anyway. Yeah, but in this case, it's a big glob of sauerkraut. Yeah, I couldn't tell what it was. Like sauerkraut and like hungry man Salisbury steak. So mom is in the backyard doing some gardening, finds all the newspapers that Buddy buried. And so that's the B plot wrapped up. This is where Michael Jeter, I guess, maybe the news story announced that these people owned Buddy. I don't know. But he somehow manages to track him down and walks up to her in the backyard without even announcing that he's on the property. He's just there. Yeah, we get a Michael Jeter jump scare. It's <laughs> crazy. And he explains that he's there for his dog, pulls out one of his 
clown flyers to prove that it's his dog. Yeah, that's right. He has the flyer, but then he's like, well, I also have papers. Like, I have documentation that this is my dog. Right. And he doesn't like this dog. He hasn't even given it a name because he has to make up a bullshit name on the spot. So he looks over at some empty paint cans that are blue and he's like, oh, my old dog, blue. So Josh comes back with Buddy, sees Michael Jeter, and just like psychically knows <laughs> that Michael Jeter is there for Buddy. And he's like, no! He instantly understands the situation! <laughs> the reason why is that Jeter pulls a Dwayne the Rock Johnson half smile when he sees <laughs> Josh arrive. It is, <laughs> if you ever want to see that, it is very special. I do recommend that. Is is Dwayne Johnson secretly Michael Jeter? No. He just retired just, the character, just no. and that's how Michael Jeter died in 2003? There's enough crazy-ass shit going on in this movie. We don't need to entertain that notion. I <laughs> am entertained by that notion. Anyways. I am actually, too. <laughs> You're fine. You, you, you deal with that. I'm going to go read the paper. <laughs> <laughs> And so no begging or pleading or offering to buy the dog will change Michael Jeter's mind, who puts Buddy in a carrier in the back of his truck and drives away. Before being a total dick and handing Josh a card and saying, hey, give me a call, I'll bring him by for your birthday. Yeah, I'll give you a good rate on a birthday party to see the dog. Such an asshole. Pin in that fucking uh, business card. Had to bring it up for a reason. Josh runs up to his room and like cries as he looks out the window as the dog drives away with Michael Jeter. And this is honestly not the worst child crying we've seen on the podcast. Again, he's very good. He's really good. And so the next morning, mom sadly gets her newspaper, which is actually there now. And then again, we're in a fucking montage. <laughs> yeah, so Josh leaves pudding cups out for Buddy at the church court. I know. God. And Mom finds the scrap of Buddy's clown <laughs> costume. <laughs> yes, and I have Mom it... finds the Jinkies clue. <laughs> <laughs> finds the Jinkies clue and puts it next to the picture of dead dad. Why does she put it next to dead dad picture? It's symbolic of everything her son has lost. <sighs> so just to make sure he's 100% depressed, she's going to add that to the pile with the rest of the farm? Sure. <laughs> and sadly, the pudding cup remains uneaten. I don't know why he would think the dog would go back there. But there is hope for him because back at school, Arthur Cheney has somehow acquired a copy of his own basketball card, signed it with an inspirational message telling him to play for the heart and he left it in Josh's locker. He keeps him around the engineering office for those who are able to unravel the mystery. That's the prize they receive. Tops will just send him his card whenever he wants. But this gives Josh an idea. Josh uses the business card that Michael Jeter gave him to track down where he lives. And Michael Jeter's on the phone with who the fuck knows, saying that he doesn't want to put Buddy in a beer commercial, despite the giant wall of empty beer cans. Yeah, my note was this dog napping is brought to you by Budweiser. Yes, this dog napping is brought to you by Budweiser. But to be clear, Josh is the one doing the dog napping. Yes, he is. I still count them as being fairly new in town, and is Josh reading a map? Is he looking, you know, Google Maps and shit wasn't a thing. GPS and sat-navs weren't a thing yet, but Josh runs out and tracks down the address from the clown business card. And if you're trying to drum up business... And your vehicle and home looks like this. Are you putting your address on your business card? <laughs> Maybe just a phone number here, Happy Slappy. Agreed. 
Agreed. But I will give this movie credit for the most, oh my God, amazing bit of prop work. Because when Michael Jeter's on the phone and he's talking with the agent, he has a giant oversized pen because he's a fucking clown. I did not notice that. That is a great detail. This thing is like a foot and a half long. You know, like it's it's it's, it's this enormous novelty ink pen. <laughs> But in the middle of all this, Michael Jeter catches Josh trying to get Buddy free from the chain in the yard. He's chained Buddy outside. Josh manages to yoink the faucet off a pipe in the yard and have water sputtering out of this pipe. So when Michael Jeter runs out to try and stop him, he slips in this water because his lawn is all muddy now. And then there's an over-the-fence tug-of-war that doesn't snap the dog's neck. Like, the chain is still over the top of the fence, so Michael Michael Jeter and Josh are tugging at. But yeah, Josh actually does a pretty good job and gets ahead of it so that it's not tugging on Buddy, which is damn good because he's wearing a choke chain as well. Yes, he is. Not just a collar. But Josh is able to get the choke collar off of his head, and so Jeter falls back in the mud again. Yep. Falling over is funny. Damn right. Damn right it is when you're fucking 10 or 11 years old. Josh and Buddy take off, and Michael Jeter tears the door off of his piece of shit truck yeah he gets in in such a hurry that this piece of shit rusty ass truck the door literally comes off in his hands i have to admit that did make me chuckle although it was slightly ruined when afterwards he spent like 20 seconds stomping (laughs) on it yeah like a cartoon character who gets mad and throws his hat on the ground and jumps on it exactly but the comic timing of just the door coming off at that moment was really good i enjoyed yeah the first part was great and then uh for the bingo card we have the didn't actually put the car in reverse cliche of course i did not notice that he he jumps into back out but he drives forward into like his fence or something like that yeah this starts off a whole chase scene where he's chasing buddy and josh but as he does his car just progressively falls more and more apart like more pieces of his car just collapse out of it are we are we gonna talk about the fact that he drives off-road into a park tries to kill two people um and tries to run down a young boy well he doesn't try to kill the couple he tells them to get out of the way but yes he is trying to run down but a he does boy. not break well he doesn't have brakes well he I doesn't know that yet that happens later no no i don't get how this vehicle doesn't just stop on its own accord because it's not like he's on a steep incline and literally parts are falling off of this not just like you know a bit of paneling or something like that i'm talking components with wires and tubing are just falling off of the bottom of this car and yeah eventually josh and buddy make it to a water taxi and because michael jeter can't break his truck flies off into the lake and it sinks i love the expression of the guy who's sailing the water taxi because he's just seen a dilapidated truck fall to pieces and smash into the river and he is calm as anything else you could possibly zero fucks zero fucks fucks. (laughs) this man has seen it all this is his tuesday somehow both josh and norm slively ended up both going to jail after this it was surreal Norm for attempted murder and Josh for dog napping. <laughs> One would think. But Michael Jeter at least gets his clown head survives and he uses it to float back to 
Sure. Okay, cool. Is anyone familiar with the way water taxis operate? Because I'm not. My understanding is that they have jetties. They have, like, ports that they stop at. Yeah, see, that's what I thought it would be, you know, just to help you get from one part of the river to the other. But apparently Josh has asked this man to take him to where the logs wash ashore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently slipped him a little extra money to, like, make an unscheduled stop. So he gives the guy money and we don't have our good friend ADR to help us out but apparently water taxis operate like regular cabs where you can tell them to wait for you yes this water taxi (laughs) will wait for him but we don't know that we just see him pay the guy and get off at some random ass point at the river (sighs) and so takes buddy into a clearing gives him a weepy pudding cup yes another goddamn pudding cup But I actually called this moment, and then I thought they did a good job. And I was wrong, yet right the first time. Because I was like, oh, here it is. Here's the, I'm going to set you free and have to do the, I don't love you anymore to make it feel bad so it'll run away. But he, it actually starts off differently. It's like, look, I'm sorry, but you can't be around. If you're with me, he's going to come back. Wow, honesty. This Mm -hmm. is really refreshing. And then he literally says the line. I don't love you anymore. I don't want you. Go away. Yeah, he, Harry and the Hendersons, the dog. (laughs) The dog won't run away, so he throws his Harlem Grobe trotters. My daddy played basketball with this basketball with me. And so the dog goes chasing after it, and he runs back to the water taxi and does not pick up the pudding cup because he's a litter bug. And I was so confused at this at first because, again, he just paid the water taxi. I had no idea the boat was waiting for him. So I'm just like, buddy's faster than you. He can catch you. You're trying to run home. He knows where you live. How is this effective in any way? He tried. I don't know. Buddy chases, tries to swim after them. More Josh crying. And again, Josh is really good at crying. Even in the I don't love you anymore scene, as much shit as I just gave it, this kid sells it. It's true. I had to take a break to hug my dog at this point. Although it it is it is unsettling that three characters, only one of whom is a villain, has either abandoned a dog or doomed it to the pound. Don't abandon your dog, people. That's the PSA that I think we need to add. <laughs> Agreed. Don't abandon your dog. So now we're at state finals for basketball, and Coach Arthur is giving a very generic pep talk. No, he's not. Oh, no? There is so much of this that doesn't make sense. There are literally 23 minutes in the movie left with credits. It is state finals time, so the news is there, but they're at their home gym. If this was actually high school state finals, they're typically played at, like, the Capitol or a big venue. They're playing in the dinky little gym, though. This movie gets progressively more insane from this moment forward. It does not let up until the end. Oh, it goes straight to crazy town. But here's the thing. like You're you're asking them to go find another location? Nah. Nah. It's Disney. They can afford that shit. So anyway, back to the uh, pep talk. This pep talk is not your general, let's go out there and give it all we can. Half the team is out with chicken Pox. Again, supposedly high schoolers? No, he used it as a metaphor, like like you know how no, close it no. Half the team is out with chicken pox, and we need to make do with who we have. There are like only seven kids. 
That's why it becomes a problem when one of them fouls out. There are literally half the team. Is this why we all of a sudden get an extra bowl cut kid? Because for the finals, <laughs> we have an extra bowl cut kid. I'm sure he was at tryouts or something. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out that Larry's dad moved the family to fucking Spokane so he could play for the other team. Fucking what? Yeah. The coach doing a good job telling the kid, it's not about you. We're going to learn to be a team player was so offensive to Larry's goddamn dad that he moved the family. I think it's because he realized there was a black person living in the town. Oh, my God. That Well, that's, you know, sounds like the place in Indiana I lived in. So, so Stuart. Oh, Jesus. Yes. He has another piece of uh, discarded food from a basketball player. He's got Dennis Rodman's juicy fruit. Yeah, he's got Dennis Rodman's used chewing gum, and it is dirty. And here's the thing. Stewart talks about this as they are already on the court to warm up before the game as they're heading to the benches. This did not come out of his sock. I'm not sure where he pulled it from. I don't want to know. (laughs) So basketballing ensues. And I got to be honest, I don't know shit about basketball, but it looks like they did it pretty well. It seemed the kids could actually play basketball. Like the the basketballing was good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so at the half, they're down by 10. Coach Arthur gives them a pep talk, blah, blah, blah. More basketballing ensues. And now they're down by 20 with seven minutes left. They have to pull the big kid who kept fouling earlier off. One of the other kids who we don't know and Stewart take each other out. So now they're down to four players. They like ram into each other and they're <laughs> injured. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, like one kid got pulled for fouls. Two more are down. We're, we're out. We, we've gone from seven to four players because everyone else has goddamn chicken box. And the big kid who kept fouling really wants to forfeit. Like, he brings up forfeiting way too easily. Yeah, and coach is going, no, we're going to, you know, do what we can with what we got. And I'm not sure that's a thing in basketball. I think you have to actually have a full team on the court. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't that a plot point in Space Jam? It was. It was, yeah. Yeah, that's why Bill Murray was able to play. So anyway, Buddy shows up because no one knows how to close a goddamn door. Nope. (laughs) And the coach gets an idea, and this is literally a Canis Ex Machina. It's like... (laughs) Well, uh, don't forget, we got plenty of slow-mo dog hug. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. of that. So they put Buddy in a uniform, and they check him in with the judges. And this is where we get the famous, there's nothing in the rule book that says that dogs can't play basketball. And my response to that is no, because it's fucking common sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but there are rules about eligibility and you have to be a student in good standing with proper grades and all this other shit. So clearly, <laughs> no. Now we've seen this ref a few times throughout the movie. And let's be honest. This is me in like 15 years, right? God, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is where the Airbud series launches and will eventually get even more insane than anything this movie has to offer. The dude who plays this ref is a referee or umpire in the next couple movies. Oh, seriously? Yeah, when they're doing American football, when they're doing soccer. Yeah. But in the fourth movie, when it's about baseball, 
Oh my God. We find out about his day job, apparently. <laughs> oh God, what's and his day by, job? By this point, Buddy has had pups and they are apparently also awesome at sports. This dude is a mad scientist who wants to kidnap the puppies and Buddy to isolate the super sports gene that he can sell to athletes on the black market. Oh my God, that's so awesome. <laughs> You fucking kidding me? I am not kidding. This guy's a mad scientist as his day I, job. I don't think I don't think he started as a mad scientist, but after witnessing this and two other sports throughout the years, yeah, he's like, I can make bank off of this. I'm gonna get into genetic research. <laughs> and he totally has a bad guy monologue full of like the <laughs> laughter. <laughs> Ew, my that's god. That's fucking fantastic. I think this is going to be a dearly oh, tradition. It's going to be doing an airplane movie. I think it has to be now. Absolutely. So, yeah, the opposite coach protests, Larry's dad protests, and manages to not drop a racial slur. <laughs> and we get the second most insane speech in the movie. I thought it was the most insane, but there's still 15 minutes to go. <laughs> oh, boy. Because Coach is, um, while the, the ref's looking through the book, you know, the other guy's like, what the hell is this? The dog is a registered member of the team. He practices with, with the team. He travels with the team. Check your rule book. You won't find anything in there that says a dog can't play. And the guy's like, yep, there's nothing in the rule book. And it's like, you know, when the, the, the coach and the dad protest, he's like, come on, you're not scared of a little dog. You Marty McFly's them. And they're like, all right, you put yeah. your... Yeah, so they don't want to get called Yella by <laughs> <like laughs> Buford Tannen. And so they're just like, yeah, put him in the game. And so we mentioned Josh's mom going, yeah, Josh. For the rest of the movie, the other coaches... Someone cover the dog. Yep. Will someone cover the dog? My mother could cover that dog. And even future me is perplexed by what the hell's going on at this The point. problem is, though, is that this movie is then responsible for a lot of smashed screens because as soon as the line, does he dribble, no, but he might drool a little bit joke comes up, oh, it God. is impossible not to punch your screen with every fiber of your being yeah it is apropos of nothing it's literally future mad scientist <laughs> referee talking to coach arthur for reasons while the game like do your job dude you're the ref go out and ref why are you talking to a coach about dogs drooling like because uh clearly he's already interested in procuring samples apparently he's getting ideas yeah but Here's the thing. Dribble is like slang for pee. Uh, Basically, he's, he's going, this dog's not going to piss on the court, right? There's also a moment here where Buddy won't let a black kid get up. Buddy should be ejected for fouls. Okay? Yeah, Buddy should be ejected there for are, fouls. There are six minutes and 21 seconds left when Buddy joins, and he should have got his ass ejected from the game. But yeah, no, but like, he, yeah, he fouls this black kid, won't let him get up. He's just going for the ball. You can kind of fight over the ball, and they break it up, and it's a jump ball again. That's what happens. But because Buddy's doing it, the ball's covered in slobber. Oh, drool ball, haha, played for laughs. More basketballing, more basketballing. And then Larry fouls 
Air Bud. So Buddy gets free throws, and the one ref looks to the other ref, and the ref is like, just throw it at him, I guess. I don't know. Okay, so the other ref, the younger guy, who's kind of like, what am I supposed to do, and shrugs? This is Buddy's owner that trained the dog to do this stuff. The ref that tosses him for the free throws is the guy. Huh. So while all this is happening, uh, Michael Jeter walks in. And is surprisingly cool about this. He lets the game finish. Yeah, he lets the game finish. Josh has a moment of freezing again, but he manages to throw a basket right as the buzzer goes off. Question, if you throw the ball as the buzzer goes off and it goes in, do you still get the points? Is that a thing? Yes, yes, as long as it's in the air. Okay. But I have a much bigger nitpick here. (laughs) Go for it. Okay. Uh, Let me look at my clock notes. Oh, wow. We're getting granular up in here. Oh, God. So when Larry fouls Buddy because he's not enough of a dick, there's 20.9 seconds left on the clock. We'll call it 21 seconds. And then Buddy fouls Larry with a body check straight to his nuts and no one fucking cares. Straight to his nuts. The time on the clock is now four minutes and 22 seconds. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) But nothing happens. So now we get to Josh's, you know, shot. You see the clock at five seconds and counting down while everyone is still passing the ball. This takes about 15 seconds. Then Josh has it and has his slow-mo look at the clock, and there's five seconds. Slow-mo counting down. Damn, John, you went down a rabbit hole of the... This basketball game took me an hour to watch. Oh, my God. And it's not even 20 minutes of the movie. Well, I guess one of us had to. (laughs) But honestly, I thought he was going to learn his lesson and do kind of like a sacrifice thing because there's a movie he pulled earlier with Buddy where he fakes to do a shot and then throws it so Buddy can do it. And I really thought that Air Bud was going to get the winning shot of the game, but he doesn't. Well, no, Josh needs to have character growth. But that would be his character growth to make it not about him. Who the fuck cares? Moving on. I care deeply. Apparently. Goddamn. Clearly, I time travel back to make this all happen. I need to know. (laughs) So, yay, they win. And even Larry respects Josh. Yeah. Larry has some character growth and was like, hey, good job. Good game. Yeah, but why? Because he's a better person than his dad. But why does he make that character change? Because otherwise Buddy was going to check him in the nuts again. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's that's my point. That's about the only thing. So Michael Jeter wants his dog back, and Mom thinks that because Buddy doesn't like him, they don't have to give him back. Yeah, he shows up for his dog, and I got my papers, and they're in a bag because they got soaked by the river, and he never tried to dry them out. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> Just keep that in my pocket for a dramatic reveal. <laughs> but again, he waits for the game to be done. He's like, hey, give me my dog back. Just give me my dog back. No, because he doesn't like you. Again, he's really cool. He doesn't make a huge scene out of it. It's like, all right, then fine. The court's going to settle it. So now we have a legal case (laughs) with literally 10 minutes left to go. Yep. This is the stupidest trial ever put to film. Yes. And I am counting animation. I'm counting like Saturday morning cartoon ridiculous bullshit. I have never seen anything this dumb. And I love it. Yeah, my note here is, I'm sorry, did I have a seizure? Are we seriously finishing this movie with a courtroom drama? And yes, we... (laughs) No, 
no, this is not a drama. This is a fever dream. <laughs> this is a goddamn fever dream. First of all, the judge doesn't even know what the case is. He thinks it's a divorce dispute. Mm-hmm. And, but then the bailiff tells him it's a custody case. And it's like, oh, for like a kid? He's like, no, for a dog. And he's like, well, that's stupid. That's not how dog ownership works. Yeah. And then there's this recurring gag that goes on way too long where the judge, you know, hits the gavel and it causes the dog to bark. That got really old really quick. But the judge is like, no, we are going to do this right. We're going to do this proper. It's weird, but fine. Fuck it. I will not have my courtroom be a circus. And goddamn Michael Jeter walks in in his professional attire. Yes, a professional meaning comes in in his clown outfit. And makeup. Because comedy. Because he thought it was really important that the judge understand just how much this means to him and his livelihood. This court case is on the level of Judge Judy. Like, no, this is... this is so much dumber. Judy would have <laughs> okay. thrown his ass out. I'm sorry, right? Judge Judy. I should not have insulted you like this. It's clearly an open and shut case. The guy owns the dog. They even admit that it, like he owned the dog. It's just Josh accuses him of abusing the dog and he has no evidence for it. He's like, he just doesn't like him. So obviously he's a, a dog yeah, abuser. Yeah, they have no fucking evidence. And that's when mom gets up and she finally gets to do some acting in this movie that isn't <laughs> yay Josh. <laughs> but it's to make an emotional plea about how the dog means so much to her kid and the Towed and the judge is like, yeah, but the dog's property, so that's fucking stupid. But thankfully, this movie has a magical black man. Wise old black yes. man ex machina. Yes, this movie has a magical black man ex machina. He comes and he's God, he does the walk in through the doors at the back and walks down the aisle and the judge is like, who the hell is this? Introduces himself and the judge is a fan. Yeah, the judge saw him play <laughs> in the 50s against the Celtics and he did this rad move, so he's like, well, shit now i gotta listen to your stupid bullshit and so now we get the actual most insane speech of the movie they both come from bill cobbs bill cobbs makes the case if a dog's a man's best friend then we should let the dog decide who it wants to be friends with because at its age it's an adult anyway in dog years no they get this shit wrong he actually says well i've been thinking um the dog's what three four years old that makes him an adult in our years no, it doesn't. It makes him three or four years old. <laughs> but the judge calls this the craziest damn thing he's ever heard, and he's up for it. Yeah, the actual law be damned. <sighs> this movie! So now we're outside for an ending so contrived I nearly passed out. <laughs> Jesus! Yeah, it keeps getting weirder. We've had the craziest fucking speech. The movie keeps getting weirder. We have five minutes left with credits. <laughs> yep, so basically they have to stand on opposite ends of this lawn in a little box drawn on the ground. They're not allowed to leave or to call the dog over, otherwise they lose. And so they have to call the dog over who's like hitched to a chair in the middle. Yeah, they brought the judge's chair out. Yes. So he's still sitting in his chair with his gavel on some little damn stand. <laughs> the platform, yeah, they build him a little platform. Yes, as if this happens <laughs> regularly. We're going to have court outside today, everybody. <laughs> it's just such nice weather. We have another dog custody hearing. Yeah, you know, we're, we're having a custody dispute and neighborhood barbecue. 
<laughs> what the fuck? And the whole town is there. They are there. They are emotionally invested. It's a whole fucking thing. Oh, my God. And so they take the leash off the dog. Michael Jeter and Josh start carling the dog over. And because this movie is not contrived enough tension, we have a fake out of the dog going over to Michael Jeter because Michael Jeter pulls out a newspaper. Yeah, and Buddy clearly is having some like PTSD here because he's cowering and he's only crawling towards Michael Jeter at least at first because it's the oh my goodness I have to do what I'm told or I'm gonna get beat but then he goes over and eats the newspaper and goes over to Josh and yay Josh wins because apparently that's how the fucking law works (laughs) yeah judge decides that that's that and the crowd is happy like they're cheering and when and so when Buddy goes over to Josh and it's over so the judge says by the power invested in me by the blue are you getting married like what yeah i said did this judge just marry josh and buddy (laughs) did we just get america's first interspecies marriage that's weird that's the power of art cheney But what this movie doesn't show you is that Michael Jeter got Buddy back on appeal because this isn't how the fucking law works. (laughs) No, instead what they show you is him getting pissed off and the judge delivering the line, will somebody suppress that clown and him getting literally carried away by bailiffs. Each limb. Yep. And the whole town is super happy that Buddy's back and the movie ends. Within the credits is the return of the casual yellow bird. Yep. Like I said, it bookends the movie. Not sure sure why but it is there (laughs) so let's summarize josh showed up he was antisocial with everyone at school made friends with the dog made friends with stewart who would later go on to shoot up the school and that's it that is that is his character progression yeah he got his dog and he learned how to not freeze up in the last three seconds people don't care about josh they don't like josh they they just give a shit about buddy yeah it's kind of like how we don't give a shit about jules but we really like trixie <laughs> okay. Well, that was Air Bud. And before we go, of course, we as millennials know that every movie and TV show has a moral. So, Jules, what did you learn today? Well, the dog abandonment is a gray area. Apparently, <laughs> it is. Oh, my God. And, John, what did you learn? I learned that dogs love pudding. Oh, God. I, I tried to get that out. <laughs> <laughs> the PSAs. Uh, so what I learned is that I can legally take Jules's dog if I can get her to love me more. So Jules, just so you know, next time I come over for poker night, I'm bringing pudding and SpaghettiOs. So uh, just watch out for that. I'm going to shove a newspaper up your ass. <laughs> oh, that is the best lesson of this all. This movie told me that's how the law works. So... <laughs> And before we go, uh, we, of course, need to tell you what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? We're going into a movie that actually in its world has magical people of all sorts of races visiting Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And, John, just to get us all hot and bothered for Harry Potter and, you know, inoculate us against owl rabies, uh, do you have any... (laughs) Any reviews for us? Oh, my God. So, I mean, obviously, Harry Potter, worldwide phenomenon, beloved, of course. But the people who hate it write a goddamn college doctorate thesis (laughs) for a review. So I just kind of picked and choose a few highlights that I loved. I outgrew this film and its source material back when I was a fetus. (laughs) 
I know they have to pay bills and stuff like the rest of us, but I've never felt so bad for actors since I saw Dudley Moore in Santa Claus. <laughs> Given that movies can now show us everything, the manifestations that Miss Rowling described could be less magical only if they were delivered at a news conference. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit damn there is some hate uh and that's our show if you liked it please subscribe if you loved it please share it with all your friends and whether you liked it or loved it we'd appreciate it if you give us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us also be sure to like our facebook page and follow us on twitter links to both of those are in the show notes thanks for listening and we'll see you next time for another episode of millennial rewind